For sure. Hey, welcome to a special Red River. Uh, we're going to do a Red River Presents tonight, where we're going to focus on a filmography this time. The first two in the series, one, the first one was Iron Maiden, and then we did Slayer's discography. Mm-hmm. So this time I figure let's uh, pay tribute to Quentin Tarantino. Yes. We speak your name. Wait to push off the Weezer one another. another <laughs> Yo, the Weezer months. one is going to be soon. <laughs> the most talked about <laughs> episode that never happened. For sure. Um, so today we're, we're going to talk um, Tarantino's 10 movies. Yeah. And uh, what we're going to start off, we're, we're going to go through the movies and our relationship with those movies. All right, we're going to go through all 10 because we're counting Kill Bill 1 and 2 as, as, as 2. Um, so let's start off with giving each other our top 10. And then from there, the, the, the description of the movies will make a little bit more sense. So Langan. Um, we're going to go name all ours? Or we're going yeah, just around? go. No, no. Go go. name your from 10 to number one. I tell you, it was easier to pick my favorites. Then, like, when I got down to, like, what the lower numbers were, because I still like those movies, but it sounds like, you know. Oh, no, but... no. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I th- this is one of those things where it's, like, <laughs> the movie that's at number 10 is better than most movies. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. But um, uh, my number 10 would be uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, only because I've had the least amount of time probably to, you know, experience to sit with it. Um, then my number nine is Jackie Brown. My number eight, Death Proof. Seven, Kill Bill 2. Um, six, Django. Am I doing this in the right order? Yeah, keep going. Okay. Yep. Then I got Inglorious Bastards, Kill Bill 1, uh, Hateful Eight. My number two is Reservoir Dogs, and my number one is Pulp Fiction. Okay. Very good. So today we have Tom Bennett, um, film geek extraordinaire, uh, Instagram loudmouth, uh, <laughs> Facebook aficionado. Influencer. Yeah, he's an influencer. Yes. He makes a lot of great memes. I'm very, I'm very influential. He's all things you love. Yeah, he's, yeah, basically. You, you make pr- all the Danzig memes, yeah, right? That's correct. I'm, you, that's that's yeah. my, uh, my, my claim to fame is if you, if, like if on a Picasso basis. works in like watercolors yes. or something, you work in Danzig. Danzig is my muse. Gotcha. That is true. And then you did a nice mashup of um, The Cure and uh, Cobra. Correct. So, <laughs> speak into that thing because I, I, I don't want to miss. Okay. Get, get that thing you, closer you, to you. You don't, don't want to miss a word. I don't want to miss a word. This is the correct List. The Tom Bennett list. Go ahead. Okay, so number 10 is Kill Bill Volume 1. Wow. Number 9 is Kill Bill Volume 2. I'm already angry. Yeah. <laughs> number 8 is Pulp Fiction. Oh, this guy. 7 is Django. Right. 6 is Reservoir Dogs. 5, Hateful Eight. Uh, 4, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. 3, Death Proof. 2, Jackie Brown. And 1, Inglorious Bastards. Wow. Wow. Okay. Very controversial. Yeah. We're like yeah. opposites. For sure. If you want to send him hate speech, uh, just look up his hate Tinder. <laughs> He's Irish, so if you want to come up with any any hateful Irish things, just but he uh, might bomb you. Just, <laughs> just throwing it out there. Uh, Anthony, oh, the return of Anthony Ventichinque. You know him as uh, the Watch. You may know him as Twenty Five. Um, and he, if if you've been at at a sheer terror show, he definitely climbed on your head at some point, <laughs> right? Yeah, you can say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me get your, your 10. All right, this list is not set in stone, unlike Tom's list. Death Proof. <laughs> I'm starting from 10 down. Yeah, 10 down. Right. Death Proof, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Same reason as Brian, because I've only seen it once, so right. I haven't had a chance to really 
digest it. Jackie Brown, Inglorious Bastards, Kill Bill Volume 2, Kill Bill Volume 1, Hateful Eight, Django, Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs. All right, so Reservoir Dogs are your number one. Yeah. Okay. I keep I like, I like it old school. I like the demo versions of shit. Yeah, for sure. You like the demo <laughs> version. All right, so I'm going to do my 10. Um, this is pretty hard to do. Yeah. Like I said, no matter what, it's it's – Somebody who I mean, we're, we're doing an episode on on his movies. You yeah, know, he's 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 a fucking. It's an event when he makes a movie. He's a, he's a master. So my number ten is Django. Um, great movie. It's just my least favorite out of this pile. Number nine is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, something that I'll get into later on once we get to that. Uh, number eight is Death Proof. Number seven and Glorious Bastards. Number. Six is Jackie Brown. Um, five is Kill Bill 2. Three, no, number four is uh, The Hateful Eight. Three, Reservoir Dogs. Number two, Kill Bill 2. Mm. And my number one, Quentin Tarantino movie, Pulp Fiction. And like, it's, yeah. it's, it's like picking Nevermind, but it's just because it's, there's a reason. And you know what's funny too? Like, I could have made this list, like, before we did the show, I got all the Blu rays. Watched them all in chronological order. Went through the whole thing. And a lot of them I hadn't seen in a long time. And my list changed. And I bet you if I watched them all again... He said it. This list would change again. Tom said it. Every single time. Yeah, I actually watched them in reverse order. Just because I I had just seen uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So, um, yeah, I mean, a few that I hadn't seen in a long time. um, Some I felt like aged better than others, maybe. and. Some that I kind of didn't consider very much when they first came out, I liked a lot. So, well, there were little things that I didn't pick up on the first time. And I noticed, and I'm like, oh wow, you know, just there's always something else every time I watch one of them that I notice. I watched them in order, not real order, just what I watched the least or I knew the least. I wanted to make sure I, I, you know, I got a refresher on those. Like the ones I saw the most, I figured if I can't get a chance to watch them, I know them well enough. Let me start with the ones. I know the least. So yeah, for sure. Glorious mm-hmm. Bastards. Yeah, I did the same. Yeah. Django. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's start. So uh, October 8th, 1992, which is in that, you know. Wow. It's right, like a week or so away. So that was when Reservoir Dogs was released. Um, you know, we all know the plot. You know, heist goes wrong. There's a snitch. No one knows who the snitch is. And it always makes for, you know, he, he was so good at just like, he he right right from the from the jump anything to do with crime anything to do with who done it mm-hmm. very good very smart writing so what was your memory of this movie Brian? well i just remember being blown away by the dialogue just from the jump you know as far as the the opening table you got all these hardened criminals talking about madonna just like what the fuck you know like just an odd twist on some a scene you you wouldn't normally hear you never heard the criminals talk about stuff other than the crime or something, you know, as like a, a a stereotypical crime scene or something. These are guys talking about just a regular thing over cups of coffee and stuff, but they're stone cold killers, you know? It was a, it was an exciting time, too, for film, the early 90s. A lot of independent stuff being made, and this really kicked off a boom that whole time period. I remember seeing, but I remember seeing this and, and just being blown away by the dialogue. That's what struck me. I'd never heard nothing like before. Did you watch Pulp Fiction before or after? I saw Pulp Fiction after. After, okay. Yeah, I watched this on VHS. VHS, for yeah. sure. Yeah. 
Uh, Tom, what was your relationship? I actually saw it in the theater. Um, it was just when I had started studying film. Um, so it was an interesting time. So I went and saw kind of everything. Um, and it, it was, it made it's definitely a game changing movie. And it's very reminiscent of that time period, um, the style of movies that were being made at that time, even like a clerks or kind of movies like the Kevin Smith movies, like kind of more talky movies. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I just remember it being, having my mind blown by it when I saw it. Funny enough, watching it today, just it left me completely cold, which was sort of really? weird. That's surprising. I, I really thought I thought I would be more nostalgic watching yeah. it. And yeah, it was like what, what didn't connect this time. I just thought I, I think that movie's just sort of a shambles of a movie. I mean, it's a, it's a great movie. It's a great movie to make an economical movie seem bigger than it is. Okay. Of yeah, for sure. Yeah. The limited sets, the limited sure. actors. Um, relying it could be on, like a stage play. Yeah, almost. it's exactly it's, yeah. it's exactly like a play. But um, some of his dialogue just he's gotten better over time. I feel like. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But there was nothing to compare it to then. So no, no, for sure. Sometimes things are different. Like it's been twenty, God, what twenty seven years now. So yeah, Anthony. I mean, it sounds cliche, but the dialogue really got me. Like yeah. just everything they said. I mean, like Tom said, it's definitely not the same. But it still hits me pretty good, like that, com- like the conversations they have. All his movies, really, but like it sounds like conversations you would have with your friends and that you'd want to have. It didn't seem like something you would see in a movie. It just seemed like it seemed like more realistic conversation and like, but not too deep. Where it's like, like a Kevin Smith, so it seems like he tries so hard to be like different and deep. Profound. No, but exactly. It, but that's it's a good but word. it's still likened to, to that era of Kevin Smith because in '92, you have to remember what really was there in terms of like action. You know, you had like Seagal, you had like Van Damme, you had Commando. You know, movies like that were yeah, but where those movies didn't rely on dialogue. Oh that no, was, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. They didn't. So yeah. you had like so, so you came in with just like like that whole scene in the beginning when they're talking about he doesn't tip. Yeah, it's, great. it's like yeah. just such a like you don't that, that you don't need that scene. Like it, it just it's just such a well written. I think it's such a well written scene. Like oh, it's great. First of all, I think that advice still holds up. <laughs> Second of all. <laughs> But just and you don't tip. I do, but what do you mean? You I begrudgingly tip. tip. I think of that scene every time I tip. My fingers start playing a little violin, but I yeah. still, I still throw the tip. And down. that scene put Buscemi on my radar. I mean, did you guys Me too, yeah. familiar with him? But I, mean, I knew that I was like, there's something about this dude. Yeah, yeah, he was. <laughs> well, I mean, there was something about him on top of the fact that he, at the end, really made out. Like he is the yeah. one yeah. who basically was. I guess he was the most precautious. You know, like when they were talking about like, you know, who the rack could be yeah. and, 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 you know, Kaitel is like, I saw that guy in there take a bullet. Yeah. You know, he's like, don't tell me, you know, he's, and he's like, what? Well, maybe it was Joe. He's like, I grew up with Joe. He's like, what the hell? He's like, it, you know, did you tell him your name? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so like he everything he was like a, a, a criminal's criminal. Yeah. And I think obviously uh, Tarantino saw something in him enough to basically give him that role Yeah, where it's like, OK, you're going to be the, the, the last man standing. And there's nothing more. What I love about it was um, when Keitel realizes the whole time that he was duped. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When and he's, he's, he's just he's like, his lap. yeah, oh. he's just like, oh. And he's yeah. making that noise he like that he bad made. lieutenant scream. It's the same, yeah, the, the bad same, lieutenant the scream. Yeah, my, just way grown. less dick. Yeah, <laughs> um, the casting was so awesome, disappointing. Man. What a cast. Well, he Kaitel uh, was attached to it, and that's why the movie was made. Yeah, because he, I guess, was like, um, I want to do this. 
you know, for sure. And no one knew who Quentin was. He was some, he was probably, imagine what a fucking geek he was probably in 91 oh my God. when he was making this movie. Probably like, wow, you're fucking some like video store fucking herb yeah. talking about <laughs> making a movie. Um, but the influence that this movie had, um, you know, everyone wanted to make a crime drama like that. And, and there was a lot of things that, popped off me you know from here and then the next movie pulp fiction like uh just random shit things to do in denver when your dad is one uh that truth truth and consequences new mexico oh, yeah. like there's all these like random movies that are so terrible I mean, the entirety of guy ritchie's career is basically... <laughs> well but, i mean yeah. he he was good at, he, he was good he brought something else to it he brought sure. like, the british speaking of madonna from, yeah. he brought pikey's to the <laughs> speaking of speaking of Madonna for sure, oh, but yeah, it's, good, it's interesting in retrospect too because you look at the cast and you're like, wow, this is it's kind of a stacked cast for a first movie. Oh, sure. for sure. And even with Pulp Fiction, you think the same thing, but it's like these are the movies where these guys, even though some of them are older guys, yeah, kind of came to the mainstream. Like where it seems in retrospect a way bigger cast than it really right. was at the time. Yeah, well, like The Outsiders, it's like, oh, look who's in it, but. At the time, at the no time, one was in no, it. No. You know, it was just. And I, I love Lawrence Tierney, man. Is there a more is... like born to like that dude is just reeks criminal? Like the voice, Lawrence the look, Tierney in that movie, motherfucker looks like the thing. Joe, <laughs> right in that movie. Shout out to all the criminals out there. <laughs> he's still. I want. I've seen. That's my favorite. He still makes me laugh every time. Just the shit he says. He's like. Because you're a faggot, all right? Yeah. And, <laughs> totally. And he's like... Some guy on some other job is Mr. Yeah. Black. And he's like... And when we're at breakfast, he's like, who cares what you'd normally do? I pay for your goddamn breakfast. You know, yeah. it's just... Like, everything he says it's, just makes me... He's laugh. like, it's my way or the highway. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. He says... He's like when he when he's like, am I gonna get my book back? You gonna put it away? He's like, I'll do whatever the fuck I want with it. And it's like like almost every line he has says in that movie is perfect. Yeah. And well, back to Buscemi for a minute. When I first saw that movie, Kaitel was the guy I was looking to most because right. I think I knew him the most. Yeah, yeah. So I and you know I knew him from Taxi yeah, yeah. Driver and sure. stuff. Mean Streets. Yeah. And then so it was like for him for me that he was the one. Mm-hmm. But the more I watch it, the more Buscemi stands out in like his dialogue. Like you said, he the way he figures things out, the way he's like. No, this is what happened. All those cops were there. Ready. He's like, that first wave was there ready for bear. He's like, the second wave, those were the ones responding to the alarm. Like, he had everything mapped out perfect. And, like, he's acting like – he says it too much, I think. Am I the only professional here? But he's, like, so professional about it. Sure. It's, like, thought out. It's, like, he definitely is the best part of that movie. You, you know what was really good, too? Like, at the time, it was very realistic. Like, when, when they get out of there and the gunshots, like those the gunshots coming out of, like, Kaitel's gun, you're like, whoa, this shit looks like you're following him with a camera and he's, like, really shooting. Like, yeah. that was just great. It's not, like, Terminator 2 or whatever, you know, which are great. But, you know, this this just called for something else. And and if we talk about uh, favorite scenes for a second, I, I, nothing was more etched into my brain than watching Michael Madsen cut off that cop's oh, yeah. ear to stuck in the middle with Iconic. you. And that was like the beginning of like Tarantino using music and like the most brilliant. Big Steelers wheel uh, royalties coming in. Yeah, for <laughs> sure, right? Like, that, Dude, that song, yeah. like you hear it in like every bar. Yeah, now, I gotta I say. And Bob Dylan, which it isn't, yeah. but it might as well be. <laughs> right. I gotta say, there's another thing about that. No movie. Crow Mag song though. Dang it, that's one thing I hated about it. I'm like, <laughs> Where's fucking hard times? Yeah. I mean, this is perfect for hard times. Is there anything harder now than being nah. being ratted out? <laughs> um, like, I'm not... You guys are... Yes, I like music, but it's hardcore. Who counts it as music? 
But not really. Like you guys club. really. Well, you have metalhead now. You got no sleeves. Um, <laughs> But you guys are really into soundtracks. To me, soundtracks are kind of like underneath the surface a little bit. Like, I don't really pay attention. Like, this is like one of the first movies where the soundtrack I felt was part of the movie. And I associate, every time I hear those songs, I right away, I think of Reservoir Dogs. Stuck mm. in the middle, I think yeah. of that ear cutting scene. Sure. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, all those movies. Stephen Wright DJ. That helps too. Like, yeah. That was, that, 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 that's around. still, watching that again, that's like, it's such a brilliant device to like make these songs fit into the movie. Like, they, yeah. they set up what kind of music you're going to be listening to in the conversation. That voice. They were going to that use voice. ballroom blitz for that uh, ear-cutting scene. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I saw that on the factoid. What were they going to it's say? The Crocus version. So you mentioned the... I don't think it was Crocus. <laughs> you mentioned favorite scene. My favorite scene in that movie, I do love that ear-cutting scene. The scene that gets me every time is when Harvey Keitel takes out his second gun and he starts shooting the cops through the windshield. Like, that scene is fucking hard fucking as hard. shit. Yeah. He's just, I mean, boom, 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 filling that windshield. And it just, the blood shooting and it explodes. Like, that scene, from the first time I've seen it to last night when I watched it again. And every time in between, I fucking love that yeah. scene. And Factoid, his nickname is Two Guns. Oh, I didn't know that. And I didn't know they did because I, I, not that I know all this stuff and I'm such a nerd. I just watched the Factoid part of the DVD yesterday. Yeah. But they said that, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And sure enough, he pulls out his fucking second gun and starts going to town on those cops. And it's always my favorite scene. Well, uh, anything else on Reservoir? Uh, well, Just I mean, I've seen it so many times. There's like these little things I know that always bother oh, me. Like Harvey Keitel and Buscemi talking in the bathroom and Harvey Keitel asks for a cigarette and he doesn't light the cigarette. Yeah. It drives me crazy. I always wondered why, but then he lights one another and time. And when Joe comes to the breakfast table... And they all cough in the money. He grabs the pile and he's like, who didn't cough up a buck? I'm like, how the hell did he count no, that I, money No, it actually so looked like he counted. Here's a, another cool little <laughs> Stupid shit like that. thing I didn't notice. I didn't, wouldn't have noticed it was for the factoid. When Harvey Keitel and Steve Buscemi are talking, when they're first having that conversation, when he doesn't light the cigarette, right. there are bottles of liquid in the back. One's white, one's pink, and one's orange. Because those, the those are the three in the scene. Like they... Oh shit! So he's like, oh, they, so they did set it up on purpose. I mean, it's not a, who gives a shit, but it was kind of like, oh, that's kind of neat that they he was so into detail. Captain Factoid tonight. I mean, hey yeah, man, sure. I just watched that shit <laughs> last yeah. night. The other cool thing, like, is that you basically you, you're introduced to all these characters, and then some of them you just never see again. Like they're gone by the time like the main part of the movie happens after the heist. Right. They're just yeah. Oh yeah, like for sure. Eddie Bunker's yeah, character. Yeah. Tarantino's yeah, he, well, character. Tarantino. I mean, it makes sense because he wasn't he wasn't really an actor, so it makes sense that he wasn't in it. The one thing I always b- b- bug me about Never that. really stop him, though. <laughs> he's <being> a, <laughs> he's actually okay. Like, for uh, the parts he plays, he's all right. Like, no. I don't know if he could stay through a whole movie. But for the parts he plays, it's it's tolerable. But um, the one scene I always found weird was when they crashed a car right before Harvey Keitel shoots all the guys. And Mr. Orange kills Tarantino because he's upset that Harvey Keitel's shooting the cops. He goes, oh, is he... Harvey Keitel was like, oh, is he dead? He goes, yeah, he's dead. Cop shot him. They're like, I'm like, he was just alive three seconds ago, and you just killed the cops before they got in their car. Like, how do you think, like, how did you? How did he die? Like, how did you think he died? Like, he didn't have a bullet hole in his head when they crashed, and now he does. Listen, you see, we're uncovering a lot of things here tonight. But that's wow. that's always stood out. We're going to make news but that, that when scene, this hits the airwaves. But that scene always, I always wondered about him. Like, why does he think, like, why does he think he got shot? Like, where the fuck did he get shot? Listen, you can continue to wonder about that. We're going to move on Let's to Pulp Fiction. Let's move on. Um, so September, and the beginning of the foot fetish. Yeah, so September, yeah, Rocky Horror. So September 23rd, which was two days ago, 
1994. Never forget. <laughs> Never forget. <laughs> um, this motherfucker comes out with Pulp Fiction. Um, I remember seeing it in a movie theater. And the first time I saw it, I was high on heroin, allegedly. Shout out to heroin. <laughs> Shout out to heroin. <laughs> uh, that's just the way it was, you know, in 94. Um, well, I saw the movie in 94 also, and I wasn't high on heroin, so I don't know if it was... <laughs> well, we'll, we'll get to you. Um, watched it in the movie theaters. It, it definitely blew my mind because it was the first time I saw a movie presented in such a weird way. Was there another movie that you guys remember that was presented in, like, pieces that were just... You're like out of order. Reservoir dogs. You kind of had to put it together the yeah. timeline yourself. No, but it was beyond yeah, no, Reservoir. Know, but it's just all the same, same guy. Yeah, so Pulp Fiction was like the first time that I saw a movie presented in the beginning. And then like it was chopped up, man. And that intro to this day just gives me goosebumps. You, you, you have Tim Roth and Amanda Plummer talking. They start the movie with them holding up the diner. And Dick Dale's guitar comes in. And once again... That soundtrack is so in your face, and you like you knew right away that, that the movie, like you were in for a ride, and it was like leaps and bounds from Reservoir Dogs already, oh, even yeah. after two years, and uh, it, it was just banana. So, Tom, what do you remember from that movie? Um, I remember being very excited seeing it the first day it came out because I had already known who Quentin Tarantino was, so it was like it was interesting, like seeing a filmmaker who you had been with since kind of the first movie, like you're kind of invested in their whole career at this point what was the filmmaking buzz on him i mean I, people were generally excited for it to come out this is also like miramax put it out and like that's when miramax was kind of like sure nailing it all the time um and it was interesting again i was studying film at the time and that movie again now it's second to lowest on my list now but when it came out i mean i i've seen that movie probably like 50 times at least um and style-wise, I like it. I just, watching it again, I just find the dialogue is like, I don't necessarily think the actors can handle his dialogue, believe it or not. Like, I mean, he has to Like who in actors. particular? Um, Travolta is just like, I don't know. He's like slurring his way through the movie. Okay. It's like, it's a weird... Well, he was on heroin. But he was um, a heroin addict. Yeah, so. yeah I, I get it. But like, he just seemed... But then he was going back to that like Vinnie Barbarella, like eh, talking in that like high Travolta voice. Uh, for some reason, watching it again, the movie irked me. For sure. I mean, I mentioned it to you before. It also is like the movie where everybody who saw it all of a sudden thought they knew every fucking thing about every movie that was ever made. Like everyone was all of a sudden like an expert on movies because they like had seen like two Tarantino movies. And like this, it was it was interesting, like the way the story was told, and it's like nonlinear film. And he plays with a few. Um, like at the time, his production company was called Band Apart, mm -hmm. which is a Jean-Luc Godard movie. It's a French New Wave movie. And like the thing where she draws like the square on the screen, um, just weird little editing things that they do. Like he was clearly referencing like kind of. Oh, that's right. The square French. thing. Like uh, Uma Thurman, yeah, don't like, be so square. I didn't like that. I like, but, I love that. But it's, I thought that was awesome. It's it's a like a thing of the French New Wave where they're trying to, now I'm going to bore the shit out of everybody, but trying to draw very much attention to the fact that this is a movie. Like this, the, like the, the moviness of the movie itself. Of the movie, yeah. So um, it seems like a kind of like a mishmash of a bunch of different ideas that they had, which is basically what it like, kind of, for a sure. lot of his movies seem to be it's it reminds me a lot of like the Robert Altman movies like even like shortcuts or where it's sort of like you're sort of just interested in seeing how it all 
gets how it all comes together how it all comes together yeah i mean that's you know to to take it off tarantino for a minute man that's how i felt about magnolia paul thomas anderson's magnolia i i was like okay there's a lot of things going on here and somewhere in the middle or the end they're gonna meet and i feel like they never did meet in that movie but that's besides the point is that Uh, the movie with julie roberts and dolly parton Yes. If, if only. If only. But um, and then the return of Mr. Pink, Steve Buscemi was the waiter, it's, and it's funny that you say that because he was the, he hated getting, tipping, and then he was playing a fucking waiter. He was playing the waiter, yeah, <laughs> for sure. But uh, you know, it, it just it was the beginning of those uh, Tarantino Easter eggs. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. like that. Because you know, like, like when they're like, oh, I don't think Buddy Holly's much of a waiter after you just saw him in another movie criticizing yeah. waitressing yeah. As, a, as a as a career. So yes, it's, it's yeah. It's great. You start. It's the beginning of like the Tarantino universe. Universe for of, sure. I actually older. didn't pick up on that until yesterday. Watching the like, I, I never. I just was like, oh, that's Buscemi. I wasn't. I didn't relate it to him being a waiter, to him and that tip scene from Reservoir Dogs. I never really put it together. Well, it just kinda, it, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's just so little. I mean, but you, it's so great. Like that's what's great about him. There's so much shit going on in those movies that it's like I was glad I rewatched all of them again. Yeah. Because Pulp Fiction. I, like this is one of the ones I didn't really want to watch again. I was kind of like it's the one I seen the most. When that's it, for sure, that and Reservoir Dogs. Did you the, see it in the theater? I saw it in the theater. Uh, since we're on a podcast, I'll tell you a quick story. <laughs> uh, if you could believe, I was too shy to ask a girl to see that movie with me. Yes, I do. So I was like, yeah, I didn't ask her. So I went by myself. I was in college in Providence at this place called the Cable Car Cinema. It was a coffee house in the front and they had a theater in the back. So one side of the theater was all couches. One side was all movie theater seats. So I went by myself. I was like, well, I'm not going to sit on the couches because in case there's a couple or whatever, I don't want to get anyone's way. So I sat on the movie theater seats. I was the only person to sit on those movie theater seats. Everyone else on the couch. So I'm alone at this movie sitting by myself. And then do you remember that scene when Ving Rhames gets hit by the car and then he shoots, goes to shoot Bruce Willis, shoots that fat chick in the leg. Right. And she starts screaming. I left my ass off. (laughs) I was the only one laughing at that scene. So now I'm sitting alone by myself, all secluded on one side of the theater, laughing at a scene that no one else is laughing at. You were and that I, guy. I was. But I wasn't laughing ironically. But So I saw that in the theater, and I, was, I fucking loved it. I liked the way it jumped around. I have a friend that hated that movie because it jumps around. And I was like, no, it's like so much just different. Like, you have to appreciate like creativity and, and, and art and, and movie making. Because, so, yeah, I, I could imagine some people are trying to watch a linear movie, and that's what they're used to. For me, it was like the beginning of uh, – that movie was so influential – so Pulp Fiction and around the same time Kevin Smith came out, it made me, aside from playing music, I wanted to make movies. They inspired me to just be like, you know, like you said, every other jerk off. I was like, I want to make Pulp Fiction now. And we were just like, we wanted to write that because it was so, you watch something being made that was so fucking mind blowing. I guess I was 16 when I saw it that I was like, wow, I need to do that. Whatever that was. And of course, like, you know, no one could ever make something like that. Um, but it was super influential. Him and, and Kevin Smith, man, like, uh, they were just kind of like rocking my world at that time as far as like creativity. Sure. Which I did nothing with. Now we just do podcasts and <laughs> hey, man, you I, I, talk about it. I still remember, though, when, when that dude got shot in the back of the car. That, like, for sure. That was what that just caught me. So when yeah. the first time seeing that, was it and every time I see it, it Marvin. 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 I, I died Posing. laughing. Like, <laughs> 
I just died laughing. Yeah, because it was, was so funny, but it was like so like what what the fuck? So just ridiculous. Happened? What was that's it? That's a funny scene. Because especially too, I mean, into... at that point, that's a movie that was released in like regular theaters. Mm-hmm. Kind of Reservoir Dogs was released on a smaller scale, and the amount of violence, like just yeah. like you know, for like a non horror movie, was yeah. just kind of you know, Out my, even like you know, like Scorsese's movie stuff like that. This was so much more gory, violent. Like and he's got pieces of like Listen, brain. In oh his yeah, hair. the brain in his hair. I never yeah. accidentally. And after they do that, and they call the wolf. I always thought, I'm like, is the wolf really that special? He came over, told him to clean the car. Yeah. Well, and, funny and besides that. Hook it, hooking up the deal at the junkyard to trash it, so what did you do? He's Get my, some bed sheets. He's my favorite Get some character. Windex. He's my favorite character in the movie. So <laughs> like He makes everything simple. Like very. This seems like a domesticated house. You have yeah, cleaning I, supplies. I, I also like, like how shitty Tarantino. But I love it though. J- Jimmy, is that his name? Jimmy, right? Yeah. Like yeah. how shitty he is to them when they come. And yeah. then like how like like deferentially is when the wolf comes it's like oh yeah, yeah no, everybody's sure. you know respects the wolf. coffee back there but, you but he also on. showed up to help the problem those guys showed up with the problem that's true so they yeah. caused the problem yeah. but I agree with you Brian when I was watching it, I'm like this fucking guy just told him to clean up the mess I'm like yes <laughs> oh shoot he, he, lays it, he lays it down in a way that's so cool he, but he then when you watch the it, it's situation like, yeah, it's like okay you have to wash the blood off like you don't need to like you think you don't think you have to wash the fucking blood off of yourselves and to change your clothes I mean like you didn't come down when you didn't fucking and reinvent the wheel there's three different parts where Travolta goes into the bathroom first time she ODs the second time they get the blood all over everything all over the towels and he gets yelled at and then the third time the, the restaurant gets robbed while he's in the bathroom mm. so it's like he was at no four because he was also shitting when he got killed when he, right well, before, that's right and he, yeah IBS he, so <laughs> when he when he's when when, I guess it's the last scene of the movie, but when he goes to, when he when they're having that discussion about Jules walking the earth, and he goes, mm-hmm. "I'm going to go take a shit." He says it with like you kind of believe, like he did it in a way like it's disgusting. His method. Like, he he's, went. I, shot well, I will say, real. I did think he, I did. Travolta did a great job in those in that movie. Oh shit! Sure. Like a great job. Like, that was you know, the comeback movie. Wow, that, look it was. It's the one that put him back on. The, I mean, look who's talking. That, I mean, that's I mean, that was like, good shit. That's like the Godfather of his career. No, but he his only lines the first are, one though. The second the one first, was trash. Of course. I mean, it's like <laughs> no. But I'm saying great. like he. It, yeah, it no. was like a good comeback, and then like well, I, what I like about Tarantino. Listen, Tarantino did bless people like that. Yeah. Like he pulled them out of obscurity, which sure. we'll get to Jackie Brown because he really did that in that movie for sure. Um, and and yeah, De Niro, uh, who heard that guy? Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> actually tried out for um, Reservoir Dogs, yeah, which was interesting. He was going to be uh, the other cop he was talking be, to Tim Roth. No, I think he was going to be Mr. Orange. He tried out for Mr. Orange. I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember exactly. In fact, I, I thought, maybe I read it wrong. I but I will the say special. one thing. He did. Um, so the the cereal that Eric Stoltz is eating when when um when uh, when He's before eating. yeah when she ODs is the same yeah. cereal that fucking Tim Roth is eating in Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, so, he's got so, it on his. On, I it noticed fruit that. Fruit? Yeah, fruit. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I like, I like when people did that because, uh, like, uh, Adam Sandler would always use the same people, but also Kevin Smith was another guy. Right. You know, he would be like Julie Dwyer, like you know, had a bra- had brain hemorrhage from like doing strokes. You know what I'm saying? Like right. stuff like that. Like he would bring up these names and Vincent v- the Vega brothers. Uh, were introduced and, and Michael stuff. Madsen yeah. was originally yeah. going to be. Oh, Vincent. was he? Yeah, uh, that's the. I think Travolta read for, or they. He was thinking a different part for him, I believe, or something like that. But Madsen, uh, nothing, nothing could have be. saved his career. Like I don't understand. Like, how did it just turn to complete shit? 
to, for him to like be in like sci-fi shitty horror movies. I don't know. It's interesting though because like with like if you look at the John Hughes movies in the eighties, they all took place in the same town, but they never reference each other as mm. like characters who know each other, even though they would clearly all be, yeah, like Ferris Bueller and the Weird Science guys would have gone to school together. Wow. But they never reference any of this other than the fact they, that it all takes place in the same town, which is always weird. They don't clicks, reference man. a time period either. It could be like multiple but, decades but almost. It, but once you get to the 90s, to... people, like, they start to create these like cinematic universes that they're sort of operating, like, they're, where they're referencing other things. It's just super fun, you know? And, and... It's fun for a fan. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, these are people who are fans of movies making movies. For they're sure. They're not, you know... They're artists when because they're making movies, but they they're probably just aspiring to make something fun with their friends and having like a crew of people that they can make something with. And yeah, you know, and they just you know kind of took it's to great. the next level. Um, yeah, so Pulp Fiction was my number one for sure. So uh, too. super, it, it's it's cliche to to use, and and that soundtrack was one of the first that I remember buying on cassette. Is as someone who you know. Love drugs back then. Um, Uma Thurman, super hot with black hair. She looks so hot in that movie. And um, Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon, the uh, cover by Urge Overkill. Overkill. Sure. And that scene is just so great. In that scene, after she, um, I guess uh, Vincent brings her back to the apartment, they have that scene in, in, um, where she was like, D- do you want to hear that joke? You know what I'm saying? Mm. And then he tells her the joke of, of that, you know, the... the Catch Fox Force 5. Yes, which turns out to be later on the Kill Bill squad. Um, oh, yeah. And then he, like, blows her a kiss. It was, like, little th- scenes like that that yeah. just... I don't know. It just it, it, little things like that really put the movie over where you kind of felt for their characters and the fact that she, he was like, if Marcellus Wallace lives out his whole life, it, you know, without knowing this. And he's, she's like, if he found out, I'd be more in trouble than you would. And he was like, I doubt that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of an OD scene, when she first, she finds the heroin in his bag, she's like, oh, me, in his jacket. She's like, let me snort it. Yeah. Like when it realizes how strong it is, and she's like, "Oh fuck!" She kind of tries to. Well, she thought it was coke. Yeah, I know, but I'm right. saying when she takes it and realizes it was like way the more power than she wanted, it was like hurting. You could see, like, she does such a good job of like making that pain. She's rubbing her nose, like she's trying to stop it from happening, and it's and she just fucking goes into a convulsion. It's like such a great, great little scene where she, like, you could see the fucking pain on yeah. her face. And and the the most random thing too is when Travolta gets killed in the middle of the movie. Yeah, but that then, was definitely strange. But then he like lives on later on you know that's such right. a weird thing but it, it, it was great but I, I was so bummed when like fucking bruce willis kills him with that machine gun but then i don't know it was such a i don't speaking know speaking of bruce willis too that i gotta shut the the scene the infamous scene with the gimp obviously which yeah yeah you know that, i love that Peter he's Green. getting away and there's something like as a guy yeah just like takes a second like i can't let this there's some kind of guy code takes him over. He's yeah. like, I gotta fucking, yeah. I can't let this happen. That yeah. toxic, this ain't right. Yeah. Toxic masculinity, screaming, man. yeah. Toxic masculinity. Yeah. My favorite bit of dialogue in the movie, and it's like kind of not, it's not even that important to the movie, is when Travolta gets up the nerve to ask her about the the foot rub story. Oh yeah. yes, and he's like, he's like, I gotta ask you something. He's like, but I don't want to insult you. I just thought that that scene was so cool because yeah. he's mm-hmm. like, you could tell that was like weighing on him yeah. the whole time yeah and then when he finally asks it and she's just like isn't like no like that's it's a ridiculous story that yeah. just kind of got repeated you know it, i just i just love that like 
the, yeah. between them. Yeah, that whole that whole interaction between the two of them was great. Like everything they said to each other was kind of cool, and it was like like when they mentioned uncomfortable silence, it was like that was so like it was such real dialogue. And um, like you said, when she was like, "You think he threw someone out of a four story window for touching my feet?" She broke it down in such a good way, like that. Shout out to Tony Rocky Horror. They both had that iconic. I mean, that dance scene between when you see clips. A clips of like the greatest cin- movies ever made. That's the clip that gets and played. It was cool those, that those two dancing. The main, oh, for sure. the main yeah, movie yeah. that Travolta is known for, like his great movie, is the movie where he danced. He danced. But I mean, Rhinestone to Cowboy. get him to dance in a movie where he has been in like you know thirty years worth of movies in between yeah. that he has not totally. Danced that was, in, so it was just. Yep. Well, he he blessed him with that story. I I, I can't imagine. Um, so that was ninety four. And then three years later, um, you know, young me is thinking like, wow, what can this guy do that's going to blow me away? Jackie Brown trailer comes out. I go see it. And I remember watching it and being kind of bored. And then when I left the theater, I was like, wow, that's my least favorite fucking Tarantino movie. Like, I don't know what I just watched, but it was kind of like not as good. You know, I'm waiting so I was like, mm, yeah, I guess 19. I'm waiting for um, – I just wasn't ready for it. You know, like the the influence. You know, he's such a child of, of these movies that, that he loves, the exploitation <laughs> specifically on Jackie Brown, um, that he made this movie that I just couldn't process at the time. I wanted mm, to see, see more guns and all this other shit, so I didn't like it's it. It's a real toss-up between that and Inglourious Bastards. That's my favorite of his movies. Oh, no, it aged – and it aged me. better than all of them, I feel like. But yeah. also, the relationship between the you know, Max Fall, Max Cherry, yeah, and Jackie Brown yep. is like that's the most realistic of like you know because they're both older. Like it's not like mm-hmm. I don't know, it's not like two twenty year olds kind of early. Like you're seeing an older, not that they're a couple necessarily, but you're seeing two people who are kind of on their way out of whatever it is that they're doing, and I they get kind that. of. Meet up. They kind but, of meet up under these ridiculous circumstances. But when you watched it first, like I, I wasn't. I was just way too immature to really look at it like that. You know, now at forty-one, I would watch the movie. You know, that was one of the ones that I re- revisited again. You know, I've seen it like a couple of times now. Um, now I appreciate it because you do pick up on those nuances. Probably his best soundtrack, like him going into Sam Goody to buy the Delphonics yes. tape, because like. He met this girl For who he sure. likes, and this is the music that she likes. It's It was just such a great moment. Yeah. I, and I think also because it's based on something, it's not an original screenplay. Elmore Leonard. It's a book. Um, Rum Punch. Which I think helps. He gets a little bit in love with his own, the sound of his own voice sure. and the sound of his own dialogue. Mm-hmm. And I mean, a lot of it is his dialogue. Um, I mean, I never read the book. Well, he wrote the screenplay, just not the, the movie. Uh, but it, I feel like the dialogue, his dialogue works best in that movie. He's playing within characters that are created by somebody else. And he changed the race of the main character of the book so that, ja- so that Pam Greer could be in the movie. That's also he, why he changed the name, too. Yeah, because her name was some, something know. else. Brown, I think it was. Because it was she was Foxy Brown in the seventies. Yeah, so he wanted to. Oh, like, yeah, for sure. Give her a tribute yeah, because to that. he's such a fan, and that's and what throw I back love. to. They mentioned Pam Pam yeah. Greer in Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, okay. When they're in the car. Um, I mean, and man, she still looked amazing in that movie. She was just gorgeous woman. Oh yeah. Um, what do you remember laying in about? I, I had the same reaction as you did. It's it's definitely a different film. It definitely takes the foot off the gas a little bit. And and a little bit of a slower pace, 
than I was used to, but I've liked it more as I've watched it as I got older and it, saw things in it. It's still not one of my favorite Tarantino movies, but uh, Pam Greer is fantastic in it. But and, and there, the relationship was good with 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 her and uh, Robert, Robert Forrester. Forrester. Watching but, watching it again, Robert Forrester is so good, so like, good, so good in that movie. Good. And like you get yeah. somebody who just I want like, to hadn't... smack the shit out of him now at the end. Like yo, you wanted to leave this business. And yeah. the, the, She's I, got half a million dollars. T- Pam Greer yeah. taking yeah. you to Spain. Yeah. You're gonna and sit it out. Chocolate puss. I mean, come on. <laughs> but I, I, did, I want to smack my I did love the end set, w- you know? where like he's like, no, I want you to go. You you wanted to go. You you go enjoy yourself. And then like he's on the phone and then, like, he gets off the phone and like for half a second you think like maybe he's gonna go after her. And then he but, just he just doesn't do he it. He was such a controlled character. That's why he was such a. <laughs> He doesn't, right? It seemed like he was going to go after. He doesn't go after her at the end, like that. Like it doesn't. I would have hung I mean, that phone up. I mean, I know he doesn't. Out. They don't show him going after her, but they could. I mean, it's he open. Was, she pulled away. away. What's he going to do? Like run down the street? Maybe she. Like, maybe she sends him the postcard. Maybe they. Go well, maybe ever after it's L.A. and there's traffic. He hops in his fucking car and goes. Gets, uh, but there's no way of catching L.A. Shout, traffic. Shout out to Michael Keaton there. in that movie. Michael I actually Keaton was great. I douche. He was my least favorite <laughs> character in that movie. Well, he was a douche. Yeah, no, so but was his partner. I don't care about the douche part. Uh, I just thought the cops. I don't know if it was done on purpose, but they seemed like over the top silly. Those seemed so cliche. Like it seemed like they were like waiting to take each other in, and it didn't seem it didn't seem genuine. Like it was like so obvious it was good cop, bad cop, and I didn't think it came off natural. It just seemed so forceful. I'm like, how does she not see what they're doing? It was. It was my. They were my least favorite characters in the movie. Uh, same as Sam and everybody. Maybe not Tom because he's so cool. But <laughs> I didn't love it as much because, like you said, I don't know why I didn't love it when it was over because nothing really happens. Like it was yeah. great and it was well written. But Reservoir Dogs, the first movie I saw where everyone fucking dies. Yeah. Like everyone, even Steve Buscemi, who didn't get away, the cops shoot him outside, but it, it's like subtle. You have to really hear it, but so everyone fucking dies. Pulp Fiction, all the characters that you're kind of rooting for, like not that rooting for, but like anti-heroes, you know, John Travolta, sure. he's a big character, fucking dies. Like, it's like some crazy shit happened. And then Jackie Brown, you're like, this is going to be awesome. It's got De Niro, it's got Samuel Jackson, it's got everybody. Like this is fucking cool, and you're like something's missing. Like what, something like I don't, I couldn't put my finger on what was missing. When but. when Bridget Fonda is breaking his balls, oh my and god, he just shoots her. That is uh, that has to be. Well, if it's not that's your my favorite, favorite scene, that's my favorite scene. If it's not everyone's favorite Bridget scene, you're doing that movie. that movie. She was so hot in that movie, but that's irrelevant because she got shot in the stomach. That's the only in, interesting thing that De Niro's character did in that whole movie. Though. I thought he was great. Was actually, boring man. I me. thought flat. To me, no. I think uh, I think it was his supposed character. to be. Yeah, supposed but, to be. Okay. I thought. See, Robert De Niro. I think you're expecting something from him, but he he didn't play a typical De Niro character because usually he's playing like the loud man. The yeah. guy, like at least he's in charge, and he like he knows what's going on. Like he's like a I get the it. boss, and it was like Pacino and Donnie Brasco. It wasn't like the low level. I get. I get. Yeah, he's like playing what he was like going a, for. he's he playing like a right. dumb just, criminal, yeah. and he do, he does such a good job with it. He's like so clueless, like just so like mm. kind of stupid, like just a brute, like a dumb fucking I, I, I thug. Like, yeah, I like when they're in the the bar after he bangs her, after De Niro bangs Bridget Fonda, mm-hmm. and then he's like, uh, "Can I ask you a question?" <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, he's like, "Oh, Melanie." He's like, "What?" He's like, "You know, I just figured that you wanted some pussy or whatever." And he's like, "Oh, you knew?" He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "It's like, oh, I thought she was your girl." He's like, "That's not my girl." He's, he's like, like y- "You did it anyway." You would have did it anyway. He's like, "Yeah, yeah," but I would have felt bad about it. <laughs> but it was just such a. They had really good chemistry on that. And I thought they did a great job together, De, De Niro and Jackson. 
and what I liked about it was just it was really kind of like this this unfolding of J- of Jackie's like plan to basically she played everybody she played everyone yeah, yeah you know and then the soundtrack was just so goddamn good but you're also looking at like he's now made he's now established he's made Pulp Fiction this sure. is his next big movie and the two main stars are like people from the 70s who haven't been in anything yeah like for a studio to even be like fine like you would figure they would pick the two hippest people on earth and try to get him to use them at this point i guess he had carte blanche then for sure he's like he was one of those guys at that at that time at miramax who they they would just blank check would just let him do whatever he wanted and he and it it didn't get received well and it came out the same year that boogie nights came out speaking of paul thomas anderson again and i feel like you know that was like the beginning of maybe that was like the the first chink in the armor where people like were like oh it wasn't like universally loved and stuff you know we said it before and finish up with jackie brown but that movie aged great when i watched it again a few years ago and i've seen it like three or four times since it's on Netflix, and it's it's a lot of fun to watch. And now you just appreciate it more. I, it, I get why he went there too in his career. It's 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 like Slayer for after uh, Rain and Blood and going to South of Heaven. It's yeah. like all right, we can what, we go a thousand miles an hour what do you again. Do? Or yeah, but it's also this this is the first movie he made where people were interested in what he was going to do next. Really, you know, because anticipating after it, right? And you'd always hear rumors of he's working on like Inglorious Bastards was one of these movies that kicked around forever. Oh, for, for was, ten you years, you always I heard think. that he was making this movie, and then it was never going to get made. What, mm-hmm. It was nine hours. You'd hear all these like random things about it. But Inglorious Bastards was even something different. Like I heard it was like uh, this like renegade like. Man, I forget exactly what it was, but it was like different. Adam Sandler was supposed to play the Bear Jew. Eddie Murphy was attached to it, and it was just this like squadron of of like soldiers that were just like destroying or like kicking ass in like Europe. And then somewhere along the way, I guess he changed it. And to also, when when he made Jackie Brown, they had licensed um, he had licensed three three books, Elmore Leonard books. Okay, and that was supposed to be directed by somebody else. And he was going to do one of the other two. And then he reread it and decided he wanted to do it. So that was not good. He had a next movie already in mind. And it was some other Elmore Leonard novel that somebody else ended up doing eventually. I know Out of Sight was around that time, too. That was Elmore and uh, George Clooney. Um, so, man, fast forward six years. Um, and then he comes out with Kill Bill, October 10th, 2003. Lang, what do you remember about 2003's Kill Bill? Um, Besides Uma's feet. um, I mean, I'm a big kung fu fan growing up on those movies on Saturday afternoons and everything. So, you know, going into that that whole genre, uh, I was sold. But uh, that the fight scene, that epic fight scene at the end, and not even just the karate. I, I I just love the colors. How when it goes from black and white, then splashes in the regular color, the yellows pop, and the 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 red blood that's Animation. obnoxiously spraying all over the place. When they go into another room to fight, and it goes to that blue, that yeah. blue lighting, it, it's it's just beautiful looking. It's like one of the most beautiful fight scenes I've ever seen. Yeah, you know, choreographed and just the colors, the color scheme, and the you know, it's a uh, all his films seem to have or an homage to something else, but like it's got the uh, thriller they call her one eye vibe to it, which I love. It's one of my well, favorite grindhouse movies. But he's he's such a like a fan, so he he picks these certain movies where it's like okay, I'm gonna do a black exploitation. I'm gonna do like everything that's in his DNA. He just makes, and this is his kung fu. 
fucking like six Love hour letter. saga. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, now, why why didn't you like it, Tom? I saw it when it came out. I hated it so much I didn't even want to see the second one. Jesus Christ! <laughs> um, it's so boring. Wow! And, wow! And That's I insane. like and I, li- I like kung fu movies. I, and st- stylistically, it's interesting, but I find this movie tedious. And when and when I think that he was, <laughs> he was, it was supposed to be one movie like that as a four hour movie. I mm. I would never. Yeah. I mean, we're talking like English patient territory where I would just be like <laughs> storming the fucking gates to get out of the theater. Wow. Like that was that movie bores the hell out of me. I don't care. I don't care that she's getting her. Like, have have you seen Lady Vengeance? Yeah. That's such a perfect movie by comparison to this. Like it's just that's a, the trilogy one, right? Yeah, is... that's three movies that three. take less time than these two movies. Yeah. And, and I was I was having this conversation with Garland the other day. It took me the longest when I'm rewatching them to watch these two movies. Not only because they're long, but I would I watch like a half hour of it, and I was so not interested. You were tapping I would have out. To, yeah. I would go do something. Like yeah. I could not sit through it. Like I had such a hard time sitting through it. Wow, that's time. so crazy. What about you, uh, Anthony? I um, same like you guys. I grew up watching those kung fu movies as a kid. I didn't remember them that well. Like I didn't remember who like Shaw Brothers. Like I didn't know any of that, those details. I just kind of loved the way they they looked. I just want to see kung fu. So who gives a shit about sure. story or anything? And then a few years before they came out, a friend of mine got me back in the kung fu movies. So I was watching. So I knew Master Killer and all the and Gordon Liu. So I was watching all those. So it was like all that shit was fresh in my mind. So when that movie came out. I fucking loved it. Like, loved it. The way the short scope in the beginning. I love the way it looks. Like, that scene at the end that you're talking about. Because those old kung fu movies, you could tell they're on a set. Like, mm-hmm. they're not, like, on location. Right. And all, and most of those scenes, especially that fight, last fight scene, looks like it's on a set. Like, the sky looks fake, but it looks fucking awesome. Like, the colors. Uh, there's a, It's a silly little scene, but there's, like, a... The fight with Lucy Liu. With Lucy Liu. Yeah, it's when beautiful. When that water fountain... I is, love that. It's just sound. going, it keeps yeah. dropping, like, it's so cool, and it's, like, it just adds something to it, and, like, the blood splatter that you mentioned, I had that written in my notes as well. Like, it's just so good. It's over the top. The fight scene with Vivica A. Fox and her, the oh, first yeah. fight the kitchen, scene, like, yeah. it's such a great scene. I don't know, I could bring it up now, because all his movies have this kind of little, all the bad guys, killers... They all have this like cordial attitude towards each other. Like when they, she goes in and she's with Vivica Fox, they're like they're fighting, but then they're like nice to each other. Mm-hmm. Like the daughter shows up and they're like kind of cool. And she's like in Reservoir Dogs, all those guys are like killers, but then they're like talking to each other, but they're ready to kill each other, but they're kind of friendly to each other. It's like honor amongst thieves. It's, yeah, mm-hmm. I guess that's a good way to yeah, put it for sure. Like they all like Travolta was such an asshole in Pulp Fiction, but they were like, but they were super friendly with each other. But then they were like, like they're cordial to the people they're gonna kill. They're like, oh, you know. They're having a conversation, big Kuhnerberger, they're just being friendly, then they fucking kill him. They so all those movies have like this like weird dynamic between like the people that are gonna kill each other. Like they're so friendly, but they know they're gonna kill each other. And I kinda like the way that fucking plays. Well, and they they were a team in Kill Bill. And mm-hmm. um I, I guess they kind of felt bad because of what Bill did to the bride. Um, so I'm sure that there was that part of it. Like it's it's kind of like if if we were all hanging out here and we decide to you know kill Langan, but Langan survives. You know, there's still that relationship that we have that you're just like, all right, you know, my bad, and you know, I'm gonna have to kill you now. It's like that can... samurai code, I guess, in yeah. a way, maybe. I guess. Like when she's when when the little when she kills Vivica Fox in front of the daughter, and she's like, well, if you feel like you want to get revenge, mm-hmm. you could find me. Like she like, there's almost no sympathy for it. It's, it's like part of the job. It's just cold yeah. and calculated. It's awesome. Like it's like those fucking movies when she 
I know they. I think they had to make it black and white because of the gore factor. I think that's why they said it. It had to be black and white. Well, I don't remember. That's what I remember hearing because it was so much blood. They had to make it black and white f- to keep the sensors. To, yeah. Yeah. So the way they transitioned from the color to the black and white when she pulls out that dude's eye, and it like she pulls out his eye and it goes black and white, and I was like. That is fucking awesome. Like, it was wow. just so... According like, to Tom, not so much. Now, I, there is one scene that I do love in okay. that movie, though. And it's the at the end of the first... Yeah, I like the credits. I know, it's I know, like it's I over. It's over and I can go home. Um, <laughs> it, they show it at the end of the first one, and it's a scene from the second one, is when Michael Madsen... When he goes to Michael Madsen, and Michael Madsen's like, she deserves her revenge. Like, she deserves... Like, For they sure. all deserve yeah, to yeah. die. Because, right. like... They didn't kill her. They yeah. didn't do it. They, like she has every right to come back and try to kill them. Like that, I liked, and I liked his character. Yes, more than I liked anything else about it. I wrote uh, that down as well. I love that that little speech. He's like, you know, what we did to her, she deserves a revenge. We deserve to die. It's like it's kind of like okay, you know, come and get it. That scene in the beginning, when it, when the first opens up and they're in the and she's just that song, bang bang, is such a mm-hmm. great fucking opening song. And when she he shoots her in the head, it like I remember getting like I kind of like jump scared in the theater because that gunshot was like extra loud, and it just he had such a good way of doing gore. And I noticed. Well, plus she's the lead, and you were like, "Oh, Greg Nicotero dead. does a lot of the yes, the dude from Greg Walking Nic- Dead. Like yeah. he does a whole right. lot of the special effects. I didn't know like I didn't know at the time who he was, so it didn't mean anything to me. But um, he's like the you know the new he's been like the new Savini. He runs sure. shit. Yeah, he's the go-to the, um, guy. I did find it funny. Like, if you want a movie, pick apart. Like, she kills fucking Buck. Then she's sitting in his car for 13 hours. Like, and the cops don't even think to check his <laughs> well, car. that's <laughs> like, the other thing about his movies in general. There seem to be, like, no repercussions to anyone getting uh, Yeah. Like, the police are mostly absent. Because what's yeah, funny is... Right. Well, there there, you think there they are no cops You think yeah. they would have been waiting by his car. Like, well, let's check his car. And if you think about it, she shows up to Vivek A. Fox's house. To kill, like that seems to be the first one she goes to kill, but when she gets to her house, she already oh, Ren Ishii's already checked off. Right. So it's like, how long you been driving around this fucking guy's she car? Long term <laughs> you know? parking it. Oh, that's the other thing. I have a f- made up name. Sometimes don't really work for me. I find Oren Ishii to be such a amazing name. When <laughs> when they first said it, for some reason, I almost thought it was like a sexy name. Better like, than Ventusinque. Well, yeah, but I didn't make up make up that name, you know. But like, I just thought that was such like some made up names. You kind of like you don't really think of it. That that name I thought was perfect. Like sometimes mm-hmm. when you make up a name for especially for like a kung fu movie, it might be like, I thought that was one of the most perfect names and I've ever heard. I of. like her backstory too, which is like the animation they tell that, that was story yeah, that was cool. on how um you know you start thinking of Jizza liquid swords, you yeah. know, <laughs> about the Shogun, and that's the night. Everything, you know, changed. Um, But yeah, I remember just watching it in the theaters. And and to this day, like, um, I believe Viceland or one of those channels always plays one and two. Mm. Like, you just put that shit on and it's it's like, at this point to me, it's like Dazed and Confused or Clueless. It's like like a movie that if it's on, I'm going to watch at least an hour if I got nothing else to do. What? Before we move on, like you said, you didn't want to watch it. That was one of the ones that I was like hesitant to rewatch because I watched it so many times. I was kind of like, like I'm just picturing parts that I know in my head. So I'm like, man, I don't want to see the movie. It's like I kind of know it. It's kind of boring. And when I rewatched it, I was like, fuck, this movie is so good. I kind of reinforced how much I actually loved it. It's also the only one back. I haven't seen since I saw it in the theater. Like I've never seen it again. Yeah, I just didn't. And the I like, second I like one, the though. second one a lot more than I like the yeah. first one. Really? Yeah, you know, you're a Wu Tang guy. RZA did the sound for yeah. the soundtrack for for Gilbert. sure. And that was like the beginning of the relationship, for sure. Um, and Quentin helped RZA out a lot. 
Right. Stop making good beats for Wu Tang. Yeah, he started. Yeah, he's like, I'm just gonna go do this Hollywood thing now. Yeah. (laughs) 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 You guys, you guys could eat by yourselves, right? I'm out of here. I gotta go do fucking movies. Raekwon said they nearly lost it when RZA came in the studio with a guitar on his back. And they're like, shit. I get it though. You know, like if you if you grow up with someone and you know one day like they come in with a guitar, like you know you're just like, what the fuck is this guy doing? I guess we'll save this for the Wu Tang. Yeah, for for the Wu Tang episode. episode. <laughs> um, so moving on to to volume two, um, which is amazing. Um, what I really like, I'll tell you right off the bat, my my favorite scene aside from uh, Daryl Hannah. And um, I, there's so many great scenes. Um, it, it, so when she gets buried alive, yeah, and she starts going through the scenario that leads her to figure, remember, you know, punching through um, the coffin. But I love that training sequence. It's with great. That guy. Love it. That, it reminds that's total perfect. Throwback to a childhood kung fu movies and it just reminds you of of of, of that of like yeah. those older movies where everyone you know at its core kill bill like most revenge stories are simple mm-hmm. they're very fucking simple sure. it's just but, the means by which they go about the exactly. that's it yeah that's it completely and it's always like the core like you take mandy like mandy was like a gorgeous film but you take away like what it looked like it was like oh that's really not much of a story it's just Somebody did something bad. You got them back. End of the story. I'm going to fast forward to, to, to what I love. And this is um, where Quentin shines. Um, the end of Kill Bill 2. When she finally gets to fucking Carradine. And they have the conversation. And she sees that she has a daughter. And they're having this conversation. And they, he knows that they're going to fight. But she just doesn't know. Like maybe the kid has to go to bed first, and he's like cutting her sandwich, mm-hmm. and they start getting all this like weird dialogue going, and it's so perfect, man. Like what a fucking movie! I love it. I didn't like that ending. Really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. It just uh, it seems so far fetched to me that they uh, she had no idea that she had a kid at all. And they, I don't know. They, it just. But I, I mean, she didn't know she. When she first wakes up in the she coma, she, she goes the, right for the stomach. And like then she, she lost the kid. Yeah, she thinks. Right. I mean. But I don't know. That, am I the only one who logically, like I throw logic out the window when I watch it? I just thought that scene went on too long for me. I really? Yeah. It, it worked for me. It but, worked so yeah. well for me. You know, I Tom, did you puke <laughs> during that? Uh, I don't know. I don't, this movie is just—it's just, not for me. Just terrible. Yeah. I thought when I, I saw it in the I, I theater, don't like movies. About I, I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually the Michael Madsen character in it, I loved. I thought he was like in this down and out, and like he kind of goes in and fucks up his job at the strip club. He's, like, this dude is just <laughs> and like, he's in that trailer, and he's just dude, so sloppy. He's yeah. making that margarita, just spilling shit everywhere. Yeah, like, every, shit. like, like he's a disaster, and you think he's like this like hitman kind of like no, sli- yeah. And then, now he's like this just mess of a person trying to like scam Daryl Hannah. For some reason, when I saw that in the theater, I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it as much as I love the first. And I actually don't think I rewatched the whole movie again until, you know, getting ready for this podcast. I mean, there are parts I've seen for beginning to end. I only saw it once. There was one thing I noticed. It was very subtle in the beginning. Uh, maybe not the beginning because the movies jump around. When Bill is talking to Uma Thurman in the, in the chapel, mm. and when she puts her veil on, he kind of rears back a little bit like, oh, it kind of like fucked him up a little bit. Mm. It was so subtle. I was like, man, that's like, what a good little, great. what a good little scene! Like she puts, she puts the fucking veil on, 
and he kind of as she's doing it he kind of reels back like it was like looking into the sun or something it was so subtle but it was like I never picked up on it the first time I saw it and uh speaking of the burying alive the sound of the dirt hitting the fucking casket yeah. is fucking perfect it's just like it's so eerie it's like the thought of being buried alive. That movie worked Giving for me. her the flashlight. It's, it's, it's another example, though, too, of getting one last great performance out of an old actor who hasn't been, like, the main person in anything. Yeah. Like, Carity. Carity. Like, yeah, he was, he was great. Yeah. Did he um, Did he die jerking off? Was that him? He did. Who doesn't? That's him. Wow. What a way. What That's a way to go. I want to go. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to go. <laughs> Come on. You know, for Better sure. Better a car accident that, or something. The fight scene between uh, Uma Thurman and Daryl Hannah. That's got to be... Super original. Besides raising Arizona when they, when he's fighting in the and he's hitting his knuckles on the ceiling, but like they're fighting in the trailer and it's like it's too small to open the sword, so they can't to like. Yeah. What a great, great fight! It's surprisingly roomy though for a trail. I felt that way after and she they broke down, they're down the hallway when they're gonna square off. But like yeah. when they're first fighting, it's like it was so cool because it was like shit. They they wanted to do all this shit and just the size of the quarters kept right. getting in the way. But Bruce Lee, you got to you got to fight in the phone booth. And it's it's fitting because she she takes her last eye. Yeah. And the way the music hits, it, it it's so reminiscent of the movies that influenced that movie. Mm-hmm. You know that that uh, dramatic like crescendo thing. I I don't know. Like those are like little like you said watching that that Saturday kung fu shit. All these like little nuanced things that you pick up from this movie. It's a modern movie made by a modern director, but like it's he's so influenced by this stuff that he loved those movies too. You know, yeah, Yeah. he's you're getting filtered through him. The the biggest criticism of him, and also what probably is his best, his greatest strength, is the the dialogue that people either (laughs) like it or they don't like it, or and that he has his influences and he wears them very upfront on his sleeve. Like he he's not. Pretending he's not influenced by these I, things. I love the band Sam I Am. If I write a song that sounds like them, so be it. Yeah, I mean, his movies are just his versions of movies he grew up loving. Yeah. And, right. I mean, for that to be the main criticism of him is sort of weird. Like, oh, he rips yeah, everybody he, off and this and that. Yeah, yeah. He, he makes no bones about Like, he tells everybody he tells what. You, yeah. and, and if anything, it's like almost like, you know, I make all these music comparisons. But, like, you know, when I was a kid... And, into Metallica or something. They made the covers album with uh, Am I Evil or something. I, it was his Diamond Head. I'll check that out. Sure. Or uh, or Killing Joke or something. They covered that. And I didn't ever listen to a lot of them. And I went back and listened to it. And Tarantino, in a lot of the movies he references, I went back and saw them. And I might not have otherwise. Yeah. He did so a lot it, of the it, work it a lot. for a lot of the people who criticize him. Because yeah. he... Saw all of these movies. He spent a lifetime, seeing and he these released movies. a lot on he DVD, released, right? Yeah, I mean, he Chunking Express. He right. he brought that to America. Like he, he fucking bought it's a movie theater, man. It's bought a, a movie theater. Thing. Bought a movie theater, uh, the the Beverly in 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 Los Angeles, and he plays like double features of these movies that he fucking. It grew reminds up me on. of Jack White, film, where like the biggest criticism of Jack White is how much he loves music and how much he loves like putting out really cool records and for people who collect records it's sort of like that like that attitude can do no wrong you're criticizing somebody for something that like people love to shit on things that people love and it's just sort of a weird oh no matter what yeah yeah i mean listen i always tell they're not doing it why i tell people all the time like somebody will shit on metallica 
and they're like one of the greatest bands ever. You know, but you can get like you Chrome could... eggs. <laughs> Somebody'll shit on the Chrome eggs. I shit on Metallica, and I know that one of the greatest. Yeah, bands exactly. Ever. I mean, Metallica. I spent a good portion of my life with Metallica as my favorite band, and yeah. I will shit on Metallica. Exactly. So it's like that's yeah. we're allowed to. Though. You're yeah. allowed to because you're a fan. So all right, so we're gonna move to 2007, Death Proof. Um, now this was part of uh, the Grindhouse double feature, and when this was announced, you know, with Robert Rodriguez. I like my pants, like my, my dick. Boner. Yeah, my dick flew out of my pants. Boner time. I, uh, you know, jerked off on a plant somewhere. I'm pretty <laughs> sure if I if I remember correctly, I could be wrong. <laughs> I knew it was going to come straight with uh, fake trailers, which I was yeah. looking forward to. So much so that I, I went and saw the double feature. I'm so glad I went. Which was yeah. a, a task for some people. Man, you know what? This this double feature was so for a select few people. Big time. You know, that it was just – I heard it cost like $60 million to make both films, which yeah. is ridiculous. That's not very grindhouse. But it, it, it just – it works so much for me. So much so that I watched it and went two more times and brought different people. Like, you got to watch this. You got to – and it, the experience of seeing – like, that's what they were trying to recreate. So seeing was that, it in the yeah. theater was, like, very important to me. Yeah. You know? I didn't go – I. I think I didn't want to sit through that. Jesus them. Christ. I know. Who hey, invited this guy? Yeah, and, and the trailers are... <laughs> were you that busy? Are brilliant. I, <laughs> I mean, probably was. You were at a hardcore show. Go ahead. Like, so Death Proof was third on my list. Okay. Um, wow. When I first saw it, I didn't think very much of it. I liked the experience of seeing it more than I liked it. Watching it again, I think it's one of the, his more successful attempts that he set out to make something. And it's his least favorite. And accomplished making exactly what he set out to make. Well, it's his least favorite movie, he says. But he also said, if that's my worst movie, then I'm doing good. <laughs> and it, w- what I love about that was I remember being young and going to like gas stations and seeing like VHS tapes of these like movies that no one will ever see. But he made a great version of a shitty movie. Well, mm-hmm. that's exactly. I mean, you had two at this point accomplished filmmakers oh, making sure. a kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Not they're not trying to make a good movie. They're trying to make basically yes. a bad movie, which but is like a- an entertaining bad movie. Yeah. Um, they're not aiming for art, but they're aiming for art in that they're copying something else. Like they're, they're it works so well. And watching, I watched them both again because oh, I was, I was Planet going to, I, I was going to, so good. I was going to just watch Death Proof because it's a lot to watch ten movies in a week. Yeah. Um, but I say this as though I don't watch movies all the time. But um, they, with your third man tattoo, <laughs> shout out Orson Welles. Um, Never heard of him. It <laughs> never heard of her. P, he did commercials for peas <laughs> later in his life. Um, it works so well. Um, just the the presentation of it. Oh, um, the presentation. It's like the curation yeah. of like they're giving somebody an experience that they never got to have because yeah. those theaters, you know, like the New York Grindhouse theaters have long, long since been gone at this at the point that this movie came out. To see a movie like that in a theater, like a movie that would basically be a straight-to-VHS movie mm-hmm. sure. if it wasn't made by them. Made by them, yeah. And presented in a way that's an experience for somebody who never got to do it, which you know may or may not be good. I mean, some it didn't resonate with everybody, obviously. And it killed me yeah. that it didn't because it was – it was, but it was such a – I don't know. It, it was so it's, it's for such a niche audience. Yeah. Um, and maybe now I feel like it would do better with the vehicles that they have with streaming and all this other maybe. shit, it, you know, and those movies live on now. But I think more than any of his movies, I mean, that movie's 
that seeing that in a theater is like because it's a whole theatrical presentation of it like yeah. watching the trailers and everything on your couch is slightly less fulfilling i think than actually having gotten or to see that phone. in the theater or on your phone yeah. or even the, even the stuff with you know with the, that feature now our feature presentation thing yeah. music comes in and, and, and like stuff the missing just takes you back yeah the missing reels are really fun um the I, commercial I, for the taco place like yeah. in the middle like like the local whatever that yeah. you is next to whatever theater you're supposedly watching this in i guess it was just great and i, I didn't like it um <laughs> as much i've i've i, I as Planet Terror. Planet Terror, Planet I loved Terror so great. much Me that too. it was almost like impossible to follow it. But uh, it's true. Mo- every time I've watched this movie since, though, I've liked it more and more and more. Planet Terror would have been like number four on this list. <laughs> yeah, like I was so in love with that movie. But um, I See, I like Death Proof more than Planet Terror. Yeah. I like Planet Terror more, but I didn't love. I didn't mean to interrupt you. But, uh... No, no. I, I was. I think I liked it better because it was going. You know, I'm such a you know, psycho horror fan and zombies and stuff like that, that it was so in my wheelhouse that it would and be now, impossible and for and me to like Death Proof more. You've got Kurt Russell as part of the Tarantino crew. Yeah, for sure. So, oh, he's great. And I, I just, yeah, I mean, watching it again, it it blew my mind. I mean, it's such, it's, and it's more clearly a reference to other movies. I mean, to the point where one of the girls is wearing a Fast Pussycat Kill Kill t-shirt mm-hmm. and like that movie is like, very one thing, of one that. thing on in this movie that I never, I like like the first half with the first group of girls and the scene in the bar and stuff. How it's shot in that film, grainy film look, and then he kind of abandons that I was, when he I goes to the next too, girls. And I wish he kept it all the way through. I but noticed it's, that it's this, a minor thing. This but. time around, I would watch it because I love that in the when I first saw it, even though I didn't see it in the theater. I guess I probably couldn't find anyone to go with. Um, God, you can never get dates for movies. Well, not huh? even a date. It's just a running really theme in the show. Just my lame-ass <laughs> friends. I wasn't even talking about dates. Uh, that's, that ship has sailed. I'm dead inside. But I love the way it looked, and I love that it was like jumping around and shitty like an old movie. And then when I rewatch it, I'm like, yeah, he stopped doing that on the second half, and I didn't know why. Uh, maybe it was a budget thing? Like you, who knows? I was I, hoping you I had the facts so. toy no, for it, man. I, I, was, I it. threw it out there hoping you'd answer me. I had to fucking watch it on... on uh, <laughs> I think I had to rent it on Maybe Amazon, he'll listen but... to this and email us. <laughs> but uh, maybe I will. He's a big fan. But um, uh, what I did love about it, I didn't love it when I first saw it. I didn't, something about the way it was written, I think was bothering me. Like, I didn't feel like he wrote well for, for girls. At least that's how I felt at the time. Like, I didn't think what was being said uh, seemed natural coming out of those girls' mouths. But the, then the when I watched The first group of girls or the, the second first group? The first group. Okay. Mostly the first group. And then, uh, and I couldn't hear that fucking speech one more time. Funny but not funny looking. Like I didn't want to hear that speech. Like that, it didn't. It wasn't hitting uh, Tarantino dialogue to me. So that's one thing. That, How about those kills, though. Those kills. Well, come on. My favorite scene since when, when and, they, I, and they go back and show four times to show favorite, how they each get it. My favorite. That scene. That was a great scene where they showed it four times from that was amazing. Four different angles, so cool. and then the leg flying. That was great. <laughs> my favorite scene. Uh, shout out to that four kill scene. But like, my favorite line was seen is when. He gives uh, Rose McGowan a ride. He goes, which way are you going? Oh, hell yeah. And she's like, right. He goes, ah, that's too bad. We only had 50-50 shot at going the right way before you realized you were in for a trial. I was like, that was fucking great. I thought that was amazing. But I thought, to me, that four kill scene, like just showing each one die, to me, that was super original because I never saw that in any other movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're the expert. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Like, I never saw that in any other movie where they just, like, showed each kill like that. That was was. Beautiful. 
Oh, like, like, we we know this is cool. And we're going to show it to you like for sure. all four times. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> so you don't miss none of it. You and wonder if he planned that, or is it like they just shot it from a bunch of different angles? Like fuck it, like throw it all. This in just works. I can't. I can't pick. That's a, I. I wonder. I didn't think that, but it's, it's also good... Death Proof Self Contained is not a three hour movie, which is a lot of his movies are just seven. It's two. Minutes, it's two hours maybe. long. Death Proof by yeah. itself, it's and two also hours. that Zoe Bell. Zoe Bell, the, yeah, that's that his stunt like, scene. Oh my god, man, that's his stunt girl. That's bananas. At first, the, I didn't like her scene. until she got on the hood of that car and her stomach showed. I was like, this girl's pretty hot, actually. But <laughs> one scene, another. <laughs> so since it's like two separate movies, because it's like the the one group of girls in the second Neanderthal. Group, and uh, total. Hey, uh, Long Island Italian. Shoot me for being a man. <laughs> <laughs> so so um when. When are you going to get Bagel Boss guy on this? Yeah. He fucking Next. buried Uma Thurman. He helped dig the hole and fucking kill Bill Volume 2. Bagel Boss. He's doing the Weezer show. <laughs> when he pulled the ladder out of the grave, it would look like Bagel Boss. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. So yeah, um, yeah. when they, he's they, going to be having, great to edit. They're having the chase scene and uh, they're having that chase scene and they, they finally catch up to him and Zoe runs out with the fucking steel pipe. That was a, <laughs> that was a sick scene. That was a great scene. Like yeah. You could kind of feel her anger in that scene. I thought that was a like I didn't, I didn't get the power of that scene when I first saw the movie. But and when like, I watched it this time, it was and I Kurt it was Russell's such bad. a scumbag. And then he all of a sudden, great. when he's afraid, like yeah. it just flips quickly, and like he Real realizes quick. he's fucked. Like total and, pussy. Like, he just picked the, the wrong people to fuck with. And the ending, like where they high five, and then it's uh, it's just yeah. like, he was Kurt Russell was fantastic in that in that role. Well, he's great in everything. So. And seeing this movie has made me going back to what I said before is going back and watching Vanishing Point. Which I never was, saw that. It's a killer. I mean, you can if you go back and watch it, you see all the influence on yeah. this film and stuff. It's a it's a car movie, a car race, old seventies. You know, it's got the Mustang and everything. It's it's it was good, but I never would have seen it if I didn't see this. Well, so from there, you know, we get a dip because that that was kind of like a after Kill Bill, you know, his success with that. This was kind of like a dud and a bomb. Uh, but he comes back 2009 with fucking Inglorious Bastards mm-hmm. and a fucking cast that was amazing. Uh, inclu- like Brad Pitt stole the movie, I think. Um, and then, of course, uh, Christopher. Yeah. Yeah, man. He, Christoph, yeah, crushed it, yeah. man. Like, the, okay, so the beginning of the movie, unbelievably tense. You know, they're, they're, they're speaking in German, they're speaking mm-hmm. in French, they're speaking in, in English. Um, and it was just this long scene that was just like, you know, when they're hiding in the basement and what a way to just kick off this movie. To feel the tension. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a crazy thing, but it's such a device of your number one, right? It's my number one yeah. by far. And it ends with the line, this may just be my masterpiece, which I'm like, yes, it most certainly mm-hmm. is. But using like you're not going to make a movie in german a mainstream movie that's released as an american movie you're not going to make a movie in french you can put you can pepper it in there they use the plot device they use it as a device in the beginning that he's not going to speak german so that the people like like they're not going to speak french so that the people like it's it's used cleverly where them speaking english is like makes sense within the context of the movie yeah for sure which which is always irritating in movies just, Are they just speaking in a accent? Just, it's like, oh, German people, why do they all have British accents? Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> nobody's going to sit and listen to people speak German for two hours. So Why, why did uh, why did Al Pacino have a Spanish accent yet couldn't speak Spanish in Scarface? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Go back to that. Left-wing yeah. media. 
<laughs> wing media. Clearly. You know what? That's a pretty good point. <laughs> pretty relevant back in 83. <laughs> um, so what do you remember about Inglorious Langan? What what number was it on your list? It was in the upper second half somewhere. In yeah. Five, four, somewhere in there. But uh, it was great. And it's another one that I like even more and more every time I watch it and stuff. Christopher Walt, I, I can't say enough about. Uh, I mean, had he done anything really before? Like that's the first. I that's heard the of first him. time. I, I mean, he yeah. blew up after this. He got he won an award, right? Did he win an Oscar. I know he's nominated. He was nominated for, for sure. I don't yeah. know if he won, but uh, you know, Tarantino said the two people that say his dialogue the best: mm-hmm. Samuel L. Jackson and Kristoff. Yeah, like those are the two. He's like they they fucking sing my dialogue. Yeah, yeah. That that and another scene. I speaking agree. of the tension in the first scene, the scene where uh, I'm not gonna get. Where uh, they're in the bar, <clears throat> oh yeah, the, for sure, and yeah. and uh, they you know they don't want to be found out by this guy and the whole back and forth in that scene. That's you can cut that with example. a knife. This movie, his attention to detail in this movie is unreal. Like this is the first, like you can see him maturing as a filmmaker as he goes along, um, which is why like Pulp Fiction and them kind of fell lower on my list. Like I think he's gotten better. He's gotten better with dialogue. He's gotten better with a lot of things, but his attention to detail and like setting things like in a certain period. And then with Inglorious Bastards for the first time, and something that comes up again later in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is setting something in an actual time period with actual characters that existed. And then just like fucking with the history, oh, which sure. is, which is brilliant, you know, like, and this was the first time, um, you know, when you watch it, that you, I mean, I wasn't expecting Hitler to die. <laughs> That's why I don't like this movie as much. Yeah. They were so sick. <laughs> um, you know, a big Mussolini fan. <laughs> um, so <laughs> to take some, like a piece of history, no one's waiting for it. And on top of that, like, it's not out of the realm to call this movie an actual masterpiece. This is a, a piece of cinematic, like, just, it's perfection. Uh, it wasn't my number one, but because when I think of like movies that I enjoyed more, there are movies that I enjoyed more. You know, the subject matter is whatever. I'm not a big war movie, but when you actually take a, like a piece of work as a director, like towards the end, like he's just getting better with the last three movies that he made. It's just like home runs, basically, as far as like films go. Mm-hmm. They might not be your favorite, but as 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 a director. He is on another level right now, and he knows. Um, but yeah, that, that that switching of of, uh, of of history was so brilliant, and I I'm not sure it was ever done before. It, it's just crazy. It's like such a the, the ending is so crazy. <laughs> it's bad. It's crazy. like there's the multiple plots sort of the multiple plots to kill Hitler, basically, yeah, kind of right. colliding with each other. Yeah, and also the device of using like film and like they're in a movie theater and they light the film on fire and like it's just it's a movie about a movie about killing hitler like it's kind of it's it it, i love it i mean i genuinely love it's not only one of it might make my favorite of his movies but it's one of my favorite movies i've ever seen yeah wow you know what was amazing in that movie at the end when they're when the theater's burning and they you know she cut they he has uh, she has that guy cut her in the screen into the scene, the the screen burns, but the smoke is there, and they and her image is cast on to the smoke of mm-hmm. the what a what a fucking. And scene. you're seeing like the black and white image because back yeah. then you 
consider only black and white movies. Right. Oh, yeah. And you're seeing the fire in color kind of under the under the black and white. It's just like it that was, whole that last was such scene a, is, he like he got so much better. Or maybe budget wise or just where he could afford to like really get his vision out. But man, like you could see the quality of his movies. Like the look of his movies is outstanding. Yeah. Uh the dialogue in that movie is phenomenal. Like that opening scene, that's you know, that's as on my list. That's like my favorite scene in the movie. I also don't mind not seeing Nazis get their heads bashed in, so it's sort sure. of a, uh, that can't moment, go wrong. When the first, when you first see the bad Jew come out, when they like, when that guy's not giving up and he comes out, the thought of like dying, you know, dying for your country, whatever you want to, whatever, is one thing. But knowing you're going to get beaten to death is like that's got to be. Like if you get shot, it's probably painless. Like if they shoot you in the head, but knowing you're going to get fucking beat with a baseball bat, like that was kind of like right. pretty like hair-raising scene like shit this is pretty rough another great uh shoshana when she's sitting in the bar with the with the that kid who's shooting all the people uh the sniper guy who was like a hero war hero german war hero mm-hmm. and goebbels is in there and she's like so visibly uncomfortable and then christoph waltz comes in and she's like you could see it on her face like what a scene yeah. where she's like trying so hard not to be uncomfortable and you could just see her yeah. like oh for sure choking on like her bio yeah, and, see her and then they walk away pointing. when they walk away yeah. she kind of like starts crying and like exhales like what a fucking powerful and scene Brad, yeah. just Brad Pitt like his I, just like bonjourno <laughs> I mean, like, he was so... great when he first came on screen I didn't like him really I didn't like his fake his accent seemed too shitty like I didn't like his accent I didn't think he did a good job with the accent but you get more into him, but like when he was doing the fake Italian, he was like, Burn. "That was yeah, funny. That was great. Like, that was great." And you speak Italian second best, yeah. and you speak Italian third best. The guy's like, "I don't speak Italian." He's, He's like, like right, "Exactly third best." Third. <laughs> like he got he grew on me, but like when he first came out, I I didn't like his character as much. It didn't seem it didn't seem natural. And there's one little moment in that movie that watching it again, like it, it, I hadn't noticed it, and I've seen the movie a bunch of times, but when they're in the bathroom right before they're going to break into the box and shoot them, shoot Hitler and everybody. Yeah. And they're getting ready, and he's got like the champagne glass and all that stuff. And he's like, "You have exactly however long he says to get there." He's like, "You gonna make it?" He's like, "I have to." And it's just like, it's such a cool little line. Like, yeah, this is like the only way this this either works or it doesn't work. Like it's also he's good. Oh, sorry, Sam. He's good at those little those little lines because you know. Side note to True Romance. One of my favorite lines in that movie is when when he when he's getting frisked, and he goes, "What made you bring that?" He's like, "I'll take that and quit and." What's his name? Tristan's lady goes. You're gonna have to, just just like that scene in the, in the bathroom. It's like just a subtle little line. Goes. You're gonna have to. That's like fucking awesome. It's such a small little line, mm-hmm. and it's so powerful. And like, but you know, he, he wrote it all. So he's like, he's so good at getting those fucking lines in. He must love Elvis because I posted that thing today on the Red River uh, podcast group where he played Elvis on the Golden Girls. That's right. Like, Tarantino? Did? Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. It was an episode of Golden It was well, uh, I mean, Sophia's her... wedding. <laughs> really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, shit. Uh, but Uma Thurman's wearing like Elvis glasses in those movies. Like... Yeah. Yeah. He... And I didn't know, I didn't realize there were Elvis glasses until I rewatched them. But you know, he, I mean, you could see a little Elvis theme in all of his stuff, but like, just, you know, for romance, there's, there's that Elvis. Oh, yeah. That's why, yeah. Like, that's why I brought there, it up but... for sure. Super. But yeah, I mean, and then just it's so funny watching Glorious Bastards again, and the end where they like do the double cross on Christoph Waltz after yeah. he thinks he like he mm-hmm. got out of it, like he's negotiated his way out of this, and at the end they just like they just like you know cut a swastika into his yeah. head, 
And he's like, and he's like, I'm getting good at. It. He's like, this just might be my masterpiece. Like, yeah. I wonder if that's Tarantino just like giving himself oh, a little pat on the back. Oh, right. Are you kidding that makes me? Sense. Like, it's like, absolutely. Absolutely. Just like, you know, With like him. yeah, it's like he like he knew that this was the best. Absolutely, thing he's ever done. and and another. It's also the movie he spent the longest working on, off and on over the years. So. Also, I was listening to a podcast, and. Somebody who's interviewed him. The Red River Podcast? That's a good one. (laughs) We don't listen. Somebody (laughs) interviewed him, and they brought up the movies that he showed at the Beverly, and one of them was Boogie Nights. And they brought up that scene where Burt Reynolds said, this this is my masterpiece, and how they, they brought up that scene, too, to see if it was, like, joined and stuff. So that that, that was an interesting connection, because... You know, Burt Reynolds was supposed to be this guy, and he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, this is my masterpiece. And the same thing with uh, Brad Pitt at the end of that, because I, I never thought of that like that the way you mentioned it. But when they said it, and now you saying it again, it, it's so true. Like the yeah. end of the movie, it's it's a funny way. You know, when you're really good at what you do, which Tarantino is, like you can. He doesn't lack confidence. No, I mean, he's no. pretty sure of what he's doing. Yeah. Well, but, he knows what he wants. Like. With but f- it's funny because like this, ju- this this just may be my masterpiece, and then written and directed by Quentin Tarantino is the next thing you see, and yeah. it's yeah. like All right. for sure. Mm-hmm. Listen, and I happen to agree. Yeah. Um. So man, I I didn't know his next movie. So we moved to Django, which is my least favorite. Um. Still a great movie, but it was released on Christmas. I didn't know that. How about yes, that for I Christmas saw it morning? on Christmas Day, twenty twelve. There you go. I used to every year go to the movies on Christmas. So you don't I, go anymore. No kids. So. It's a little bit more difficult. That's why you I'm should not going to drag them. I'm not going to be that guy who drags my kids to see Django <laughs> at a midnight show on Christmas. <laughs> nah, that would be pretty Everybody cool. Everybody get in the car. <laughs> Dad's got to go see Django <laughs> for a second time. Oh, my God. So uh, let's start with Anthony. What do you remember about Django? Did you see it in theaters? I did not. Oh, all right. Same thing. Too Tom. lonely. He had, somewhere, he had somewhere to be on Christmas. Tom didn't I had nowhere to be on Christmas, sadly. See, now him. I know he doesn't yeah. have anyone to go to the movies with. I should have called him. <laughs> yeah, why didn't you guys call me? I mean, but what what li- what number on the list was this for you? Django's after rewatching it, it moved up to the, it's my third. Okay, in a way, because Django, what a beautiful that's a fucking beautiful. Is shot it the movie. racism that you like? I most? love the racism. I mean, good old fashioned. It's really racism. hard to capture racism in such a way that he does, and it really. Uh, what was my 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 sheets? <laughs> but um, the show got canceled. Uh too small to cancel. Oh, that's true, too. Um, <laughs> story of my life. But um, I, Christoph Waltz in that movie is fucking awesome. Again, yeah. he, like, he's another one who steals the show. Like, I know Jamie Foxx is, like, insanely talented. Everything he's fucking, everything Christoph says is just awesome. Like, he plays it so good. Like, he plays that Marshall so well. I mean, Jamie Foxx is amazing. He's yeah. He creates really insanely vivid talented. characters. Like, he does. Know, brings them to life. And he made a spaghetti western he made the clan very dumb, mm-hmm. so he got to I think throw. The clan some... is pretty dumb, but no, but I'm saying like he got to throw in some jabs, you know, where yeah, they're like cutting. It's, it's clan like because I mean, dumb. you look at yeah. like again, he's like a student of movies. It was slapsticky, and you like, know, like, yeah. like like Birth of a Nation, where the clan is like the heroes of a oh, movie. It's for sort of sure. like a slap in the face to kind of those movies. The, oh, holes, right. the holes are uneven. Is I that can't why see. they did that scene? Because that scene was a little strange. I thought it was funny, but it was like it seemed a little out of place. That was so silly. But I was also thinking that's probably how like those people like talk to like behind the scenes like it's not you know when you're at a hate rally or whatever I'm sure it's just the beginning of like the what you see is everyone hate but leading up to it it's probably like them 
talking about their wives and like trying to fucking figure, sh- like, oh, these masks are not right. Like, it's probably that kind of shit. That so was like, so funny. Like, it was, was very funny, but yeah. I thought it was weird because the movies, it's not like it's serious, but it's not too, like when uh, Django picks out his clothes, like, I get to pick my own clothes? And he has that fucking almost like Prince kind of outfit. Yeah. That was <laughs> that was great. Or Samuel L. Jackson's character is so oh fucking filthy. God. I love it. So bad. <laughs> See, I I thought that, that it's it's was it on my list? I think it was like seven. Yeah, you seven. had it pretty low. And I like Christoph Waltz's performance is phenomenal. Sure. Um, Jamie Foxx's performance is phenomenal. In it. DiCaprio did not work for me mm. in any way in that movie. I can see also, that. Also. It seemed like a weird movie for a white dude to make. It really did. I mean, like, it just, there's no, like, and he got criticized for it. Oh, absolutely. Spike Lee still hates him. And he hates everybody. But I, That's true. But I get, I, I get it a little bit. Like, I, I get it being an uncomfortable, it, it's an, it's a, it's an uncomfortable situation, that movie, I yeah. find. I, well, I always think Like, about watching that. that movie makes me very uncomfortable. Uh, sometimes. Jay White Guild. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I know I know what you mean now because when you watch it, it's like, I mean, it's the time, so it's like, what they say is probably what they say, but it's like hearing it so much, it's like, man. You this do, is like, when you hear it a like lot. When you, and when it's like, when it's white people screaming and it's black people, it's like, man, even though you're acting, but it's like, how do you feel saying it? Also, in the same breath, though, like, if you're shooting a movie in those times, that's probably how, oh, yeah, of course. as harsh as it sounds to our 2000. 19 years or whatever that's the reality of it you yeah know it's what just I mean? like that you're part of the course so it's like I'm, I'm glad he doesn't try to like sugarcoat that kind of stuff it's like that's why I, you know that you sometimes it feels like he really leans into it he sometimes gets, he gets gratuitous. He, he gets into gratuitous. it but also like it is another thing to to like it is it's powerful to know that it can affect you because if it doesn't affect you then you know that's kind of fucked up. Like, too. and I don't like, think like he shouldn't have made this movie. Sure, sure. Like he's no, a white actor. I, but I get, I get the criticism of it, and sometimes that movie just makes me like. But also, it pe- weirds me out. People criticize things that they don't like. Like, if you're a fan of something, you're never gonna criticize it. Like, you're gonna like if I didn't like Tarantino movies, I'd be like, yeah, he shouldn't be doing that. You know, right? But if you like it, you're oh like, yeah, I mean, yeah. you're you're way more likely to defend somebody whose side you're on than yeah, you absolutely. Know, and I mean, I love Spike Lee, but I get, you know, I get it. The only thing I question him <laughs> sure. about this, why he put himself in it with that Australian that's, accent, uh, it's that so weird. distracting to me. <laughs> that's I mean, that so takes, unnecessary. Him, anytime he shows up in any of his movies, it takes me right out of it. And, but it's then the like, accent on top like, of it, like, I'm like Hitch- what? Hitchcock, the fuck? like Hitchcock knew, like just be walk in the scene, walk on, don't yeah. say, just like be in the scene. And okay. You out. didn't have to have an accent. <laughs> <laughs> not only did you not even have to be in it at all, and look, it's his movie. What the yeah. fuck, did, you know? What the fuck am I talking about? But you, you thought you could p- put that accent on and shit. <laughs> to like, why did you make that choice? Are you could said- have been the one American with a couple of Aussies. Yeah, hey, man. Like, like it's always the actor who wants to be the director. He's like a director who wants to be an actor, yeah. and it's just well, he's he, not. He's not. He's not that. That was very distracting me. That and the the choice of. Um, I didn't like when they threw in the Rick Ross songs and stuff like that. Like, I kind of get it stylistically what he was doing, but it, it was a little taking me out of it, distracting to me to go out of my, the like time period. Songs? What's like that? More modern songs? Yeah. Or... Yeah. I didn't mind it. I, I guess it I can't like all it. be banjos and fucking yeah. <laughs> bass. I like it. I didn't. He yeah. did that in Jackie Brown, too, when he they were looking for the Delphonics. 
and like I think it was like I, I don't know some hip hop song for sure. You know, which I mean, slightly but, different. I mean, but the time it, period, yeah, the time period. believable. Yeah, he, what are they going to do? Get fucking, uh, you know, a washboard? Well, he, he, he does yeah. it. He does it. Hateful Eight too, and it works really well, actually. Like the modern, yeah, music. I also hate Rick Ross, so maybe that's right, what maybe it was. That's it, yeah, <laughs> well, maybe you don't like correctional officers. I don't. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> you probably really don't. Ah, no, I don't actually. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for uh, the CO population that listens, but the, um, oh, but. Big fans. I noticed. <laughs> what did you say? Big fans of CEOs. <laughs> you guys were great in Escape at Danamora. The um, <laughs> he doesn't. He's blood splat is like a big thing with him in those in these movies. Did you notice it? Like it's I like it. more and more. Like I thought it was awesome, but like when he when he shoots the one guy on the horse, one of the brothers, and the blood goes all over the carnations, mm-hmm. and he shoots the one guy, and the blood goes all over the horse. It's like, it, and they kind of focus on it. It was very like. I don't know if it's supposed to be poet. I'm not sure what he's going for, but it's very pretty artsy, I guess you could say. But I, I think it's just like being he makes a fan violence of that spl- look beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? But I think it's also like he's a fan of the splatter type movies, sure. you know. Which I want him to make one. You know, it was a great scene. Please. That could be his number ten. I hope so. You know, it was a great scene, action wise, like when uh, Django's shooting everyone at the end, and he jumps out and land uses the guy he just killed as like a to break his fall like he shoots mm. back into the room and he uses the guy he just shot to like break his fall like what a fucking sure. cool little action scene like yeah detail like just such good detail like that I, you know like I said uh, it's it's my least favorite out of the 10 but like even my least favorite is, like Django is better than a lot like a ton of movies that are really good you know yeah I don't they're, love they're DiCaprio I don't hate him but he's not like my favorite but I actually thought he was I, I enjoyed him in this movie. See, I, maybe because I'm not. This like, was the first movie that he didn't annoy the fuck out of me. Because I, I hate him. I thought he was out of place a little. Yeah. It was weird. Because I can't stand the Revenant. I hated him in the Revenant. I, I didn't like that movie at that. all. So I, so when I, I think that like just ruined me. For, so every time I see him, I just think of him. I feel like he. You want to be attacked by a bear? I feel like you see him. I wish the bear wasn't CGI. <laughs> Uh, Once Scorsese decided he was his muse for some reason, and Gangs in New York, he, he, that performance it, it was so like, atrocious. I feel like you see him acting. Awful. I feel like he's over the top with his acting. Like you kind of see. The it. weird thing with him is, is that I remember him being young, and he still looks young. Growing pains. So when he's playing older characters, even though he's that age, he still seems too young to play them. He seems well, too young ages, to play. He seems that. too young Jeez. to play characters that are the age he I is. I get yeah. that. Yeah. It's a weird thing. It's like Christina Ricci because he hasn't really gotten that much older looking. Like, yeah. he's aged well. I mean, you know, good yeah, for him, not, You could say he's. You want to have sex with him? I get it. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you want to move to Ireland and we have sex with <laughs> Leonardo? <laughs> You're a big uh, Critters Three fan. I get it. <laughs> Um, uh, but okay, let's move on. We, I think we have two left here. Yeah. Um, so the Hateful Eight, which three years later on Christmas Day comes out. Um, I think they did like a wide. What was that panoramic thing that they did? Seventy millimeter. Yeah. Wasn't Christmas Day? It was. Was it? Are yeah, you sure? December. T- I just looked it up. <laughs> you got a problem with Google? I do. <laughs> you don't remember not having anyone to go? No, with? No, I actually went with. <laughs> Three years later, Shout still out to no Joey one to Beans go with. And Zach Fowl. I went with them. Actually, I had someone okay. finally go with. Listen, so I at this point, I I liked Django 
And I was like, oh, I'm going to watch, you know, it was a Tarantino movie and it, it's always an event because it, it takes forever, but you know, you're going to get a three hour movie. Um, so many people shit on this movie to me. People whose opinions I like, they're like, wow, that was so fucking boring that I was like, wow, really? I'm like, wow. okay. And time went on and, and, uh, you know, I, I don't remember exactly why, but it was in and out of the theater kind of quick. I, I, I didn't really get a chance to watch it. Um, and then one day, I, uh, maybe it might have even been on Netflix when it hit Netflix. It did pop up on Netflix. Pretty quick. And I watched it and I couldn't believe. I mean, honestly, it's probably the movie that I've seen the most lately. I think it is a fucking it's so good yeah. i'm watching this movie and i'm thinking to myself like who the fuck told me it was bad i have it, no idea it, it's funny because when i saw it in theater i went and saw the 70 millimeter same print. here the, the very short-lived ifc cinema club a bunch of us went to we went to like three movies then it disbanded nice. but we uh so while i was working there we went to go see this um I thought it was beautiful. I love the 70 millimeter, even though most of it's shot indoors, which is a crazy use of 70 millimeter. Because like, other than like the first <laughs> yeah, half yeah, yeah. of the movie, yeah. it's unnecessary other than the fact that you get this like amazing detail. And I sort of didn't really like it that much. Um, I thought it was okay. Um, I thought the second half was just like Reservoir Dogs in a cabin. Like it was just like pretty cabin. much. Um, then when it started popping up like on cable, I would always watch it. I would catch bits and pieces of it, never the whole thing. Um, but it started to resonate with me a lot more. And then when we were, when you asked me to do the podcast, I watched the extended version that's right. on yeah, Netflix, that's... which I had avoided to I, not avoid. I just hadn't gotten a chance to watch it. And it moved from like the second to the bottom on my list to fifth on my list yeah. and would probably go higher. I was kind of the middle of my list. It, it could definitely go higher. Best cast, I would say. Yeah. Again, and the attention to the way that it's just sort of unfolds. Oh, it's is so like, good. You know, like mm -hmm. you keep learning a little bit more so, about what you just you've seen. That's it. You, like what you just saw. Like, right. OK, this makes sense at this point. And it's like, oh, no, wait, but this let's also let's happened. rewind a little bit. You know, when they do that in the movie, when like Domergu, like so they rewind. It's just so ridiculous. Like the things that they do and these this cast of characters, it's definitely the best cast. Don mm -hmm. Margu, fucking Jennifer Jason Leigh, probably it. the best character in the I whole I cringe movie. when they break the guitar because I know oh, the story of how they broke. Did you know the story? No. You don't know that? Really? Martin lent them one of the oldest Martin guitars from the Martin Museum, and he smashed the real guitar. And it was like, like a priceless, like, you know, some guitar from that period. Yeah, for sure. And. So they don't blend out. You could anymore. see Jennifer wow. Jason Lee's face when she, when he smashes the guitar. She goes, "Oh!" and she like looks at like she looks away, and then she goes into character. But you could see it's still on like on the film. You go on the movie, you okay. watch it. Yeah. it. It's you see her face like, "Oh shit!" Like her eyes bug out. Like definitely broke character for a second. You could see her break character on film because he broke that guitar, <laughs> and uh, not knowing it was fucking it's from the eighteen hundreds, and he uh, but. Yeah, I saw that in 70 millimeter. I was exhausted when I saw it, so I'm glad they had that intermission. But I did not think it was boring. I was just, I just didn't sleep a lot the night before. From from the jump, I did. But I thought it was, right. I thought it was fucking awesome. You know what's great about that movie? The weather is like a character. Yeah. Like they were, that movie, 
makes you uncomfortable. The, not so it cool. reminds, it's like such a it good reminds me of a good, thing. Uh, That's what I was going to yeah, say. But not since um, God, what am I blanking? Do the right thing, where you're like you're watching that movie, you I feel fucking it. hot while that movie's on. You, oh, for you, sure. you sense how yeah, hot it is. That's how I feel with the original Chainsaw Massacre. Like I feel and like this movie, like they look cold all the Every, time because their breath. Everyone, mm-hmm. no matter what. And then they keep and the nobody, door. And door. nobody yeah. looks good in it. Everybody's like pasty and just sort of like like the shot. Like yeah. they got there, they're exhausted. <laughs> like, like everybody looks awful in that movie, uh, and it's sort of Senior Bob. <laughs> when Ob goes out to the to the like the barn or the the urinal, the latrine to get rid of the guns, and he comes back, he's covered in snow. And he's like freezing, and he just lays in front of the fire, and he's like he just looks so miserable. And it's like there's no escape of that cold, like. They're putting on these yeah, fucking. They're stuck in the middle of nowhere together, and, that, and drawing the comparisons to the thing, like yeah. you were saying, as far as that group of people, and then not only you got the Kurt Russell thing, but even I saw, uh, I don't know if I pronounce his name right, who did the score. He won an Oscar for it. Marconi or something. Yeah, there's. Uh, he and did Rico music Palazzo. for the thing. They actually there's a track called Eternity from the thing original score that they used in this movie too. So, I mean, the nods are like, obvious. Well, I heard, I heard, I heard it was cool. a, an influence for sure. Yeah. That's what I heard that too. They said it's almost like shot for shot. They said something like that. It was supposed mm-hmm. to be just like the thing, almost like the. Yeah. But, I but he, he said, like, uh, on this podcast, uh, you know, he put it great. He said, I wanted to make a, a, like a movie with no real protagonist. Like, everyone's just like a villain mm-hmm. and they're all stuck in this cabin and they all have this backstory. And as the movie goes on, you pull the story and yeah. keep going plus there's the whole saga that he was going to make the movie and then the script got leaked yes and then he wasn't going to make it anymore mm-hmm. i didn't know that and yeah. then he did the live gawker. Re- he, they did live readings of it gawker did it um really in hollywood he did uh, few live readings with- <laughs> shout out to hulk hogan <laughs> <laughs> bubba the love sponge well yeah his wife though is pretty odd oh she was <laughs> um, but, um so uh yeah the bruce dern dialogue yeah, when so Samuel L. Jackson oh my God. sits down, oh God, and he—that's the best part. That's like, such so a Tarantino crazy. right there. He is just tells him about. He just puts the gun down, and he's like, "Oh, when so he's good." Like, the way he did, did, him. Did you know my son? He's like, "I know the day he died." And yeah, I was like, fuck, that's cool. <laughs> that's like, that, that's like uh, there's a movie. Not there's a movie called This Must Be the Place. Has anyone seen this? It's Sean Penn. Um, it's this weird movie. It turns into a weird Nazi revenge movie at the end. Wow, that. But it's that, another one like the story. <laughs> he's telling. Madonna. <laughs> that's shanghai surprise um but it's a, like there's it's a death scene that's like so like so brutal in this movie that they they show and it's that this him telling the story reminded me so much of that where yeah. it's just like that's just so like that's just like he's just trying to fuck with he's this just guy trying to on like such a him. level oh. like there's no there's no benefit to him to telling this guy the story other than to cause more problems in yeah. this room that they're all stuck in. Yeah. He's like, fuck it. I like, I have to just you know, fucking crush this guy. And, and, and the give or take, you know, because the N-word was used so many times in this by Walton Coggins. And like, but I get it. These are Confederate soldiers to the point where there is that like redemption or kind of like satisfaction when Samuel L. Jackson kind of, mm. you know, he starts putting the shit together. When he's like talking to Mexican Bob outside, and he's like, "Really? She left you in charge?" He's like, "You calling me a liar?" <laughs> <laughs> and he says, "Not yet. I'm not." Yeah, that was great. What a fucking yeah. so every fucking character in this movie is just brilliant. Just so like this, like 
the people who told me it was boring, it was just not for them because mm-hmm. every character, like you're watching this dialogue, even like when in the beginning, the horse and buggy, they're picking up these. You know, they pick up Samuel L. Jackson. He has the, the note from, like, Abel. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, the reason he told him the lie. It's my third favorite of oh, all It's such stuff. a fucking good movie. And again, he's way better of an act of a writer than he is a director. Like, his writing is his strength. I mean, he's a very good director, but his writing is definitely his strength. I mean, mm-hmm. as you see with, you know, True Romance and sure. other sure. things he's written. But... This movie, I felt like it was so well written. Like yeah. it's written like a play. It's, it's his like a, his movies are like a lot of them are like plays. I mean, there's very few settings. This one had like nothing. It's yeah. such a great murder mystery. Like you're just so trying to figure out. Like, it's oh, it's cool. like an Agatha Christie like who done it in it. It's like they're totally. all in this like oh, all right what and again another one where there's like, there's nobody left at the end. <laughs> Not of that it. I watch Agatha Christie. Movies, but... He was like he's like that sign above the door. He's like. There's no dogs and no Mexicans. <laughs> but again, it's like you're just sitting trying to figure out how this is going to. Yeah, you, you're appealing. Like you're, you're involved in it. And it's you feel, like it's very much like you're just in this cabin watching this unfold. Like there's really not much else to this. It's one setting. Yeah, it doesn't really change. The movie. Like I, I did think, I don't know if it was done on purpose but I thought Senior Bob's accent was a little much. Like it seemed. A I little, liked it because little, I seemed, think it was on purpose. It seemed a little too cartoony. Oh, I think it was on purpose. I know. So that was it. Threw me off a little bit. I'm like, and it, and even Jennifer Jason Leigh's accent was a little much for me at you know at first. And then oh, she's you, so good. She was great. When she in spits it, but, on the Abe Lincoln letter. Oh, that was great. Like her character was awesome. <laughs> she was. Such and she a was just fucking antagonizing the bastard. guy who's taking her to her death. Like even I saw it in the theater on seventy millimeter. And I didn't see it again until I watched it uh, just recently. I watched the extended version like you did. I kind of I couldn't fully remember exactly what happened, so it still kept me like like anxious on the edge of my seat. Like I remember, ex- I kind of remember what happened. It was still just like mm-hmm. them going through uh, what happened when Samuel Jackson's putting the pieces together when he shows that the seat was fucking. They covered the blood on the seat because that's the guy's chair. Like so good. It just and the stew wasn't made by the. He's like this was her stew. Like this was not made last week. Like. Just they didn't like even have the wolf to tell them to put the yeah. I know, blanket they didn't have over the chair. Exactly. Like, who told them to put that on there? You know. <laughs> well, that's on Netflix, and you should watch it. You should definitely watch it. So uh, that brings us to the last movie, which. Um, oh wait, one second. There was also like when they hang, uh, when they hang uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. There's snowshoes in the back. Looks like fucking angel wings on her. Like they the way they lined up the shot. It was kind of. Kind of cool. Yeah. Did you, I don't, I don't remember that. I know. I just happened to notice it. I had to rewind it to make sure. And then she's hanging there by her neck and there's fucking snowshoes behind it. It looked like angel wings. Uh-huh. Check uh, out the big brain on you. Yeah. Hey, check out the fucking note taking I did. I should have done this in school. Maybe I'd have a fucking life. <laughs> nah. No way. I um, would have a life, but still. So fast forward to 2019. You know, by this time, um, I was like, you know, I had my fork and knife ready for this movie. Um, all the talk was like, Hey, it's, it's about the Manson murders. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is just the Manson. And in my head, I'm thinking like, Oh my God, this is going to be a bloodbath. Right. This is going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be insane. It's going to be crazy. You have Charles Manson. Oh my God. I can't wait to fucking watch this. And I go watch it. And <laughs> I go with my girlfriend. We go to like a 10 PM one the opening night. 
So I knew we were going to watch a three-hour movie. She falls asleep. She watches the first 30 minutes and wakes up and watches the last 30 minutes, which for the most part might be pretty okay. Right. Might have been a good edit. Yeah, I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> um, but you ever watch a movie and like two hours in, you're like, yeah, you know what? I don't think this one's going to be any good. <laughs> um, so I'm watching. I was I was completely entertained. Um, I thought everything was great. I just I went in expecting some sort of violence, revenge, um, Manson murder, and what what I ended up leaving with was like a feel good movie. Mm-hmm. I felt like whoa, that was kind of weird. So what did you think? Uh, I had this rank last, but only I've seen it once. You know, whereas these other movies I've seen multiple times, so I didn't get another viewing. And but uh, I know what you're saying. Um, I had certain expectations, and and I I would like to see it again. Me but too. I, I mean, I I enjoyed the ending a great deal. Oh, for sure. And uh, like fantastic. But me too. That whole last part of it and yeah. everything. And uh, I thought DiCaprio was good in this too. And again, I normally don't like him, but uh. Yeah, you know, I, I I need to see it again, but it it's it's uh it did not sink its teeth into me the way some of his other pictures did. The connection on this one, uh, I read it was um so the guy that they and Inglorious Bastards that that they said that they were working for Margaretti or whatever mm-hmm. as the guy that uh fucking Leonardo is making movies for in Once Upon a Time, so. Oh. That's the Inglorious Bastards Once Upon a Time Tarantino-verse. Oh, that's cool. What did you think? It's interesting because I waited to see it cause, just because I didn't have time to see it. It's a long movie. I, I was like, I waited till I was had the energy to sit and watch like a three-hour movie or however long it is. And um, I had heard from everybody I know had already seen it that it was either great or it was terrible. So I was like, all right, well, this is... A, and I loved it. I mean, I... I was surprised I liked it as much. I kind of went in expecting to not like it. What What did you What did you go in expecting? I knew that they would do it. It, it was another like rewrite of history type. I didn't know thing. that. Um, Who told you that? I have just read about a bunch really? of stuff over time. Who told you? Yeah, um, I'm glad I didn't know. But I, when I saw <laughs> was he white? Red. Was he white? And when I saw the, <laughs> when I saw the trailer, I'm like, this trailer looks cool, but I'm not sure it looks good. Okay. Like it looks like, and um. DiCaprio, I think it's one of the best performances he's ever sure. had. Um, the scenes with him and the little girl are amazing. Oh, so and, good! And it's 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 such a great like it's an interesting like these guys sort of at the end of their careers like it's because Tarantino suppose he's only making the ten movies or yes. whatever. Yep. So does he see himself as like one of these sort of like all right this is I'm I'm closer to the end than I am to the beginning type thing, um, and just the way the story sort of collided like you weren't really sure how they were going to end up like this how's this going to factor into the manson thing you know yeah um day in the life type stuff really yeah and, and i mean it was interesting and i mean seeing like roman polanski is this like ancillary character in the tarantino movie was just sort of a weird yeah he was, ve- he was very uh like awesome powers and then i, I went to the, the bruce lee part kind of, i loved that scene where with the, with the Bruce Lee fight, yeah, and then I fell down this whole rabbit hole of the, the Bruce Lee connection to the Polanskis, which is like a real thing. interesting. And 
Bruce Lee was the one of the first suspects in the Manson murders because of the glasses. Really? Because of the glasses yeah. and Roman Polanski to oh, talk to the police yep. about this, and like he was a trainer for Roman Polanski and a bunch of other people, and he did teach Sharon Tate how to fight for a movie. So I like I never knew that part of the story. Me um, neither. And it's just super interesting, and the scene where um, Brad Pitt's character goes to the Spawn Ranch is one of the most fucking tense. Yeah. For his movies, like I, well, I really expect. Go ahead, because me and you felt the same way. <laughs> I that scene was tense with zero payoff. Yeah, like it was like it was great. I don't know if it needed to be half hour long. They kept leading you into thinking something was going to happen. They're like, let me know if he's coming. Well, that's why that. I liked it. It was cool, and I understand it doesn't have to be what you expect. It doesn't have to be cliche. But like when you're when they lead, it seems like they're leading up to something. I'm like, all right. But the thing is, they're going to kill Brad Pitt. Something's going to happen. Something's something's going to happen. You, you, you and I are bloodthirsty. You, you, but you know the for, you know the like he's walking in thinking it's a bunch of hippies living at this ranch. Yeah, you're watching it knowing that he's walking into the Manson family. Sure. Um, and like showing them just like complete disrespect and kind of like yeah. fuck you and this and that and going storming into the house to go see the to, to go but see. also kind of like the, the the you know someone mentioned and and makes sense it's like this like older generation going into this newer generation um and then there was that tense moment you know when he walks into the house and also it was shot at the actual ranch where the Manson family actually that did house stay. That, that, that was real, that house. Um, and it was like this, but that's how I felt about the movie. And, and maybe it's just my problem where I told Anthony was it was just the movie was like three hours of like build up that went nowhere except for the very end. <laughs> See, I thought it was kind of one of his better, like more observant movies where you're sort of watching it and like the characters are a little bit more fleshed out. Like you get to see a little bit more of them rather than them just having snappy things to say to each other. Yeah. 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 You're right. I, 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 and I feel like this movie meant a lot to Tarantino. Like I think more so, so than his other movies. That makes sense. I definitely, when I saw it like by myself, I went, but I did the same thing you did. I wanted to make sure I could be awake for fucking three hours because I heard it's boring. I had from my friend who loves all of his movies, and Jackie Brown's one of his favorites. Shout out to Joey Beans. Uh, he was he went opening night and he sent me a text. He goes, "Worst fucking Tarantino movie ever." It was so boring. He fuck, he hated. It. He goes, and then and then I heard a few other people say it. So I was like, my expectations were low. I didn't watch a trailer. Like I I don't really like to watch trailers because they give too much shit away. I watch like a minute, and it's like it's like Tarantino. It's like all right, I like him. I want to see the movie. Yeah. Unless it's a movie I don't know anything about, then maybe I'll watch a little bit of a trailer, but it's like, I don't need to see a Tarantino trailer. So I don't know nothing about the movie. And and then I, you know, I heard bits and pieces of stuff. I knew a little bit about the Manson stuff. So I went and I wasn't, I definitely enjoyed it way more than I expected. It was entertaining. Like, it was interesting because it really transports you into the 60s. Like, it, it looks fucking incredible. Yes. And I thought Brad Pitt was great. I thought, I really, another movie, DiCaprio performance. I actually thought was great when he's yelling at himself for fucking up that line. <laughs> yes. That scene was awesome. I I was enjoying it. I'm like, uh, but I did think when I was watching this movie, I was like, what's the point of this fucking movie? I mean, any movie is really you could say that, but any movie, what's the point of this movie? What's the point of Star Wars? It's, it's interesting though because you see Charles Manson basically once. He walks up. Yeah. He asks where if Dennis Wilson's there. Yeah. There's another movie that came out this year called Charlie Says. I don't know. If Mary Harron, who directed um, 
who directed American Psycho, and I shot Andy Warhol directed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about kind of the Manson family leading up to the murders, like before, like when it was more just like a hippie commune, and he was one, like a wannabe musician and yeah. stuff. And having seen them both kind of relatively close to each other, it's like really like that whole history of like how his involvement with the Beach Boys. And oh yeah, that's just so, yeah. It's, interesting. It's, it's, it's so interesting. Yeah, like, sure. that's like its own whole. Well, specifically with this movie. You know, once I digested it, um, and once that that title at the end comes up, once upon a time, uh, the one really strong part about it is the audience knows that it's leading up to the death of um, uh, Sharon Tate. So you're kind of like in for this ride, but you know where it's going to go. And to me, I'm thinking, I didn't know the revisionist stuff. I didn't think it was going to happen. And I'm like, shit, okay, well, this is, you see her having her last meal, and you're building up to this thing, and uh, then they go to the other house, where fucking Brad Pitt is at, on acid, and all hell breaks loose, and then at the end of it, you know, they kind of save the day in this different planet, mm-hmm. you know, and then they become friends, and they finally meet like they wanted to. And they it's like they get validated and you get like new Hollywood and old Hollywood kind of like mm-hmm. meeting in the middle. And, and it's such a – and then right, right there, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I think like you said, this is his movie. This is like the, the movie that a six-year-old Quentin wanted to make, I it's think. It's a fairy tale. It's a complete fairy tale. But, I mean, yeah. it's it also like kind of represents his career. Like, he's like the new... I mean, there's various stages of new Hollywood, like in the 70s. Sure. And post, but, like, he sort of embraced the generation before him. And that's like his... Everything he's made is sort of based around a generation... Like, he would have been a very good filmmaker, like, in that time, in the 70s. And, you know, like, that's like with Polanski, like at that point, it's, he was kind of, Polanski was like the young upstart director, like foreign director who's Mm -hmm. now coming to Hollywood to, I mean, and that's a whole other. Brave girls and shit. It's another whole butt sex. The one thing that bothered me. We'll save that for the butt sex podcast. (laughs) There's a line in the movie, though, that bothered me so much is when they're at that pool party and the guy's talking about like how oh, this is Sharon Tate. You sure. know, she met Roma Polanski in London. She was, she was uh, engaged to JC bring all the stuff. And then it's like uh, that he's something he, to the effect that he can't wait to watch Roma Polanski fuck up. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I guess it was like an open secret. Not like that everyone kind of knew, like, like even like a Harvey Weinstein type yeah. thing where it's like, and I almost like, I don't know. I wonder if that was like a, even like almost like a Harvey Weinstein reference because Tarantino's and Harvey, Harvey Weinstein's careers are so intertwined. I mean, you know, and it's just like when he's like, Oh, I can't wait to see him fuck up. I'm like, like, why, like, why would he assume that he's going to fuck up kind of thing? I looked at that scene as more just a young guy in Hollywood. who's going to just ruin his marriage because that's what usually happens when you're young and you got all that power. Like I didn't look at it as like the Harvey Weinstein thing or like the, you know that thing with the I'm more with Anthony's uh, I just thought it was, sane I just rational it was that. <laughs> conclusion. Um, I did. I get, the <laughs> ending was a little spoiled for me. Um, someone said, "Oh, if you like on a on a different podcast, they would just what do you say? In, if you like Inglorious, no about the yeah. They said if you like no if they if you hate the Manson family, you're gonna like the ending of this movie. So I was like, they, I was like, ah, oh, fuck. I was like, fuck? he goes, I don't want to spoil anything, but then I was like. 
And I'm like, that's a fucking complete spoiler. Who was that, 6ix9ine? That was, uh, I wish it was 6ix9ine. But, so, but I didn't, but that's all he said. So I thought, so I didn't, so I knew something was going to get spoiled. So I thought maybe they were going to go after the Tate, you know, Tate and everybody. And they were going to come in and save the day or something like that. I thought something, I didn't know they went to the different house because that speech was kind of, I thought it wasn't delivered so great. It seemed too over the top, like, oh, yeah, man. But when she goes, let's kill the people that did it. They don't like us to be violent. Let's kill the people that fucking taught us to be violent. I thought that was a cool. Like the only thing that saved Sharon Tate and them in the movie is the fact that DiCaprio's character went out and yelled at them. Yeah, for yes. being the, having a noisy car. For yeah. basically just being like angry old guy, get off my lawn. I did. Um, my lawn. I did. Uh, I listened after seeing the movie. Well, same thing. I at the end of the movie, when you see Once Upon a Time, I was like, yeah. It makes a little more sense. It's like it, it makes you not hate the movie as much because of the name. But I listened to a podcast with Tarantino, and he said he wrote the ending of that movie first. Yes, and, and he, he never backwards. listened, and he never did that before. He's always had the movie kind of. He wrote mm-hmm. that movie, the ending first, and then he kind of came up with the rest of the movie to fall into that place somehow. So it wasn't, which yeah. made which actually makes sense when you watch the movie because it's like. And when mm-hmm. DiCaprio busts out that flamethrower, though, that's, that was that's, amazing. That's like yeah. I don't because when they were showing it, I thought they showed that scene more as it, like when they're showing him practice with it. I thought it was more to get that stupid joke in of uh, he's like, "Man, it's kind of hot." He goes, "Yeah, it's a flamethrower." I thought it was like, I thought it was more for that line right. than anything else, and just. And when he brings it out, because he doesn't say, because he doesn't reference it again, he doesn't say, "Well, I ended up keeping that prop." He doesn't say, he doesn't foreshadow right. it really. It's just a That's just why a it flashback pays off so to well later. Yeah, yeah. So when he comes, I'm like, I was like, "Where's he going? Is he going to call the police or something?" And he comes out with a fucking flamethrower and burns this girl. That was, <laughs> it was so awesome. Um. So yeah. Anything else on Once Upon a Time? I I I, I listen. Like you said, I, I watched it once. I wanted to watch it a second time. Um, I just maybe just like I said, going in with that mind frame of of violence and mur- uh, Manson murders and all this other shit. Like I went in like with arms wide open. <laughs> maybe another viewing will help. Yeah, you won't have those I same expectations. Yeah, so you'll think of it differently. You know, because what we got was really a fairy tale. And it, it's a weird in that. I mean, it, it happened you know a number of years ago, but it's still kind of modern history. And it's like, I don't know, I think a lot of people had a problem with the whole, like, retelling of the Sharon Tate, because she's such a tragic, she's like a tragic figure, Yeah, you know, and there's all this romanticism of the Mansons and stuff, and it's like, you know, you you forget what, this is what they did, like, they did these fucking awful things to this beautiful actress, you know, pregnant, you know, kind of. And and I think, uh, well, Bruce Lee might have done it, so. True. Um, Also, when you make movies, you could make stuff like this. So you can change that history, which he did, and and He's I think done it, it before. Are you saying the baby was Bruce Lee's? I mean, there's all the outrage too, like people getting all bent out of shape, like oh, there's no way he'd be able to beat up Bruce Lee, and I'm oh like, first of all, probably yes. Like in a street fight, like, yeah. Like all, like like when people are just fighting, like all bets are sort of people off. getting it's bent like, out of shape about imaginary like, shit. It's like the more it's, bent out of shape. I wish I had that kind of time. Yeah, I wish I had that time. It's probably his his estate. You yeah, know? his his family, and know. I get it. I get that part of it. Um, but I, I also heard that Cliff was like, uh, 
a combination of a lot of people, including like Burt Reynolds. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense, you know, like Burt's like a no nonsense type of guy. And he like takes his gloves off and like beats the shit out of Bruce. A lot of people said Bruce Lee was like kind of an ass shit talker like that too. Yeah, sometimes. but there was cocky, also so. Judo Jean LaBelle. Oh, he, for sure. He's a fucking stuntman that was into you know judo's his name, and he taught Bruce Lee grappling, and apparently he picked him up over his head one day, fucking with him. And he said, "What are you gonna do now?" He goes, "Let me down, or I'm gonna kill you." He goes, "Well, I'm not gonna put you down because you're gonna kill me." But like, he just tossed him around. So I th- and he was a stuntman. Judo Gene LaBelle was a stuntman. He, he's like that choked was, he, out Steven. Seagal, yeah, he made right? him shit his pants. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, yeah. 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 So great. That story. So I love any that Steve, story. I love any Steven. We should do an episode. Just we should dig. For Steven Seagal stories, I just, read, just tell them. I just read the best screenplay I've <laughs> ever so read. Good. Who wrote it? Who, I wrote it. Yeah, I, <laughs> we I, always, I yeah, we always do that at band practice. Like me and Dave, like of like, I just wrote the best song ever. Who wrote it? I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I fucking love it. Rob so I Schneider. think part of that, him getting beat up by the stuntman, was a little bit of that. You know, so who gives a fuck? He's not an invincible person. He's a five foot two, hundred twenty pound fucking. Little guy, little guy for sure. You know, I think I think what I gathered from Once Upon a Time is that it it was this uh, you know a, a lot of that old and and uh, new Hollywood stuff like a historical lot of, fiction. Yeah, people do it all the time. But but I mean, yeah. like still, like you know, you take the new guy, the new karate guy, the old guy, mm-hmm. um, the old hard guy. He's all scarred up. You know, and then he kicks his ass and he can't go back to, like, they wouldn't hire him on any movie. <laughs> well, he wouldn't hire him because he killed his wife. Who was played by Rebecca Gayhart. Yeah, I, I didn't, didn't even know notice that. that. I know people were complaining about Margot Robbie not having enough lines. Did you hear about that, like, controversy that she didn't? Like, no, people complain it's like, too but much, what you, But I watched the, the scene fuck? and I was like, she was great in the movie. And it's probably so much harder to act without having to say anything than to just actually just repeat what people are saying to him. She did well. Evokes I mean, she had no I thought problem she was great it. in that movie. I know she didn't, people but I'm just, just saying. Shut the fuck watching up. that movie, I was like, her character was great. She played such a great part. Like, you don't need lines to deliver a powerful scene, and she was fucking awesome. She, she when she was watching the movie, like there was something like magnetic about her. Like she's mm-hmm. watching herself, and like she's like laughing, and it's super endearing. You mm-hmm, know, totally. I mean, like, it she's could looking be... around and seeing the people laugh at her, like yeah. enjoying it. It could also be that Margot Robbie's like really hot. <laughs> that also helps. But, is. but it's also just interesting, like from a historical standpoint, like that was such a terrible time in Hollywood. Like after that, like like everybody was just sort of on edge and all fucked up. And like his sort of what if this ended? Like the murderers got murdered instead, and yeah, yeah. just sort of yeah. you know, like it never would, happened. You know, would she, would Sharon Tate be like you know this big? great actress as time went on and just you know what would have happened and And, and that's the beauty of movies and i think that's the beauty of someone like tarantino he makes these movies we love him uh can't wait to see what he does for supposedly his last movie why is it gotta love cinema so much set this number that he has to stop he'll he'll absolutely make more movies i think i think i think he'll direct one more and write more you but know. you keep hearing like this Star the Star Trek movie. There's the he wants to make a horror movie, he but he could to... write. Yeah, he doesn't have to direct. I mean, True Romance is my favorite fucking movie of all time. He just wrote it. He didn't direct it. It's mm-hmm. like he could yeah. come up with something like that. 
Yeah. So um, can you but, imagine the clamoring of directors to get their hands on Tarantino scripts though? As if he just becomes a writer. Hopefully, right? hopefully Rob Zombie will fucking. He's gonna get a <laughs> Rob Zombie. <laughs> he's gonna get Jackie Martling to punch it up, and then he'll be good to go. Hey, you gotta punch, punch up your... scripts. <laughs> he's right, gonna cool. give him that John Travolta comeback, Jackie. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, imagine. I will. Uh, I, seeing it once. Oh, you want to plug something? Go ahead. I wanted to plug you. Um, <laughs> no, but the, hey, no. Uh, once upon a time, I would. When it was over, I was like, I don't need to see that again. But then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, I actually kind of want to see it again. I enjoyed it. Like, you know, I enjoyed the way it looked. I, you know, I did want to see it You know again. what makes me want to see movies again? And this is the, the power of YouTube. The popcorn. Well, <laughs> that is true. This guy knows me. <laughs> um. The power of YouTube. So anytime I watch a movie that has some kind of like, uh, you know, interesting ending or plot, I go to YouTube and there's usually these like really cool review sections and I watch it and they give me like this different perspective. You know, I did that with the movie Us, mm-hmm. Jordan Peele's Us, which I ended up liking more after watching. <laughs> did you say black? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I edit that out. Crack. Um, did you say crack? <laughs> but um, yeah, these YouTube clips really in, uh, make me like, I don't know, they just, they bring, it's almost like a podcast. Like when someone brings up something on a podcast, you're like, you know what? I didn't really get that angle. Let me rewatch it again. And and I think these these formats allow for, um, you know, multiple viewings of, of, of angles. Like if I went in expecting something different i i feel like i would have enjoyed it and that's on me you know right. for sure like me and him were waiting for like we were just sitting there with like blood 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 and fucking of course tom savages tom, yeah tom being like you know delicate soul a little bit there. more uh you know highbrow over there he was just like oh, that, oh, scene, that scene was great but they just kept making you think something was gonna happen and like he just okay here's that guy the guy doesn't remember him see you later <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Dern's so good. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Listen, Tom, thank you for doing yeah, it. Man, thank you. Thanks. thanks, Brian, for hosting this lovely event. Word. Um, I'm going to have a great time editing all this nonsense. Hey, don't and, edit shit. Fucking uh, let it fly. Our, our it's, lethar- all, it's all gold. Lethargic uh, <laughs> vocals a word. on a Wednesday work night. 9221. Anthony? <laughs> Yo. <laughs> 1-800-ASSHOLE. But um, thank you, Anthony, for coming back for a second time. Thank yeah, you for having right. me. And uh, that's it, man. Or, like, thank you, Brian.